Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. We are in no position to be able to defend ourselves in any way whatsoever. Ireland is defenseless. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. Help us. Without G backing us, putting it on the air and telling the people how important it is, then they wouldn't have got anywhere. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Yeah. Call 0818 Dublin Airport. Dublin Airport is all over the newspapers this morning. The photographs, just horrendous photographs of those queues. But what happened at Cork Airport was in a way even worse. There's people queuing up for a long-awaited holiday with their kids and they're told, you're not going. Just like that, you're not going. It's over, it's gone, it's cancelled, two-week cancelled. If anybody was affected by that that's listening, we'll come to it in a while because it was an awful thing to happen. Not to mind the queues at uh, Dublin Airport. We'll get to all that. And plenty more besides. Uh, <clears throat> you don't need Matt Aaron and you don't even need Carla Weather at the moment. All you need right now is the sound of my voice this morning to tell you that we're headed into a lovely June weekend. For some reason, this is what Mother Nature does to me when it's about to come. But we'll work our way through. We'll see what we can do. But we've got to get at one big story first. Well, I'm delighted to announce that the total raised in the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon for 2022 is an astonishing 383,973 euro and 68 cent. Our station director and boss man, Kieran McGeary, is sitting opposite me. Kieran, we're doing this a long time. It's always an emotional moment, but that was special. Very special, PJ. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the when we go into Radiothon each year, um, people will often say to me, how much do you think uh, it will raise this year? And you just never know. That's the thing. And I, uh, one of the other things that's very unique about uh, Radiothon is that we don't give ongoing uh, tallies or updates. Um, and actually, the first time even I know what, what's been raised is when I get that information from uh, the Mercy Hospital Foundation who manage the the, the back end of, of Radiothon on our behalf. Uh, and I get sent that total literally about 10 minutes before 
uh, I read it out on air, so it's, it's always a, a surprise and a pleasant surprise. And I think this year, especially when you think of um, uh, how people have been asked to um, put their hands in their pockets so much already this year in terms of what's happened uh, in, in Ukraine and so on, and people have donated generously, uh, extraordinarily generously, uh, to, to various charities uh, who've been helping the situation there. And then, of course... You know, there's an awful lot of talk at the moment about the the, the cost of living increases, uh, and that's obviously making people um, have to think more carefully about how they spend their money uh, and, and what money is available to them. But um, you know, to come out and 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 uh, donate that sort of money across three days uh, to Radiothon is just absolutely special. And moreover, here they're calculating for you down at the Mercy. They're sending you the figure. The money is still coming in. We've gone over that, well over that. Absolutely. I mean, um, just before we came on air, we were talking about uh, the lads on breakfast this morning. Uh, took a, a message from from somebody, sadly, I, I can't remember who it was, but who said they ran an event on Saturday evening. That's uh, an additional €500 Euro, uh, that will come in. And, and, and it does. That total generally tends to go up in the, in the days and weeks after, uh, after Radiothon. So people would obviously want to know it's divided five ways when do we do that uh, it's done at various points across the year because once again the the, the money comes in um you've got um a bank of money from people who who donate by uh, monthly direct debit mm-hmm. so that's obviously coming in across the year so it's important to stress i suppose that that 383,973 euro uh isn't actually sitting in the bank this morning. Mm. You know, that that will come in across the year. Um, uh, And so uh, on several uh, points across the year, uh, it is divided Mm. up amongst the five charities. And we cannot thank people enough for what they've done. And I might tell you now, Kieran, just as you sit there looking at the work starts again because 359 days to Radiothon 2023. That's it. I mean, there's, there's, there's a huge amount of, of, of work involved in it. It's, it's, it's a, a massive undertaking. It's something that, that, um, uh, I suppose because we've been doing it a long while, we know, um, how to do it now, uh, very well. Uh, but I think, uh, I can't underestimate the amount of effort that has to go in, uh, by the team here at 96 FM. And, and that's not because we're looking for, for, uh, plaudits or anything like that but it's just I think it is important that people know firstly 96FM doesn't benefit financially from mm. Radiothon we don't take a cent in fact we don't handle any of the money um, but uh, a lot of the work that's put in by the team here at 96FM is done on top of uh, the, the the day jobs you know a lot of the interviews that you would have done for example PJ is done out of hours mm. Uh, and 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 your colleagues in the same way. So, uh, for me personally, uh, I can't thank the team here at ninety six of M enough. Um, uh, as I've said uh, to people over the weekend, uh, I'm extremely grateful for the the hard work put in, uh, and also immensely proud as well. Mm. And I think, you know, the, the 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 that is rewarded by the reaction of the people of Cork mm. to Radiothon every year, it really it's, is. It's phenomenal it's, and it's, it's an incredible pleasure to be part of it and it's magnificent it's, it's one of the most moving moments as, as a member of the team in the year to have you come in and read out the money. Kieran, thank you very much for being with me. That's uh, <coughs> Kieran McGeary, our station director and gaffer here at Cork's 96 FM, the Radiothon. Uh, done now for another year but 300 and according to my calculations, they could be wrong, 359 days till we do it all again in May of 2023. Apologies 
for the voice. It's Mother Nature telling me that we're going to have a lovely June weekend. I can't explain why, but she does this to me every year. But we'll work on it as we get through the morning. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six is the number. Were you at the airport on Saturday? Did you see what happened? There was a whole plane load of people supposed to go on a holiday to Mallorca with Tui. And it got cancelled at the very last minute. At the other end of the country, there was chaos at Dublin Airport. Absolute, total chaos at Dublin Airport. Embarrassing chaos at Dublin Airport. I'll get to that in a minute. But over the weekend, Kevin Hurley from the Corporate Business Association, the new president. Kevin, you said there's a solution to the Dublin Airport problem. Let those flights go from Cork. Good morning. PJ, hi, good morning, and congratulations to 96FM on the uh, Giving for Living Radiothon. Well done. That was amazing, almost 400,000 raised. Uh, I I just saying it to Fiona there a second ago, your researcher. um, It's absolutely, uh, it just epitomises the people of Cork, how generous they are throughout everything that's going on at the moment, how generous they are. uh, It's just fantastic. So, um, yeah, look, I'm no expert on aviation. I'm a retailer. But I just made a comment on Twitter over the weekend that um, the fact that people were queuing out on the tarmac uh, yesterday morning. No, this is nothing to do with the TUI situation, by the way. Okay. But um, the fact that people were queuing out the tarmac and missing flights and missing their holidays, which they, you know, losing their their uh, their time. Uh, People work hard, and and it's not just money that they're losing out on. It's time. Um, I just feel that um, Cork Airport is underutilised. I flew out of there only four weeks ago myself when mm. I was going to Spain and uh, I was through the security in about uh, seven or eight minutes as I'm sure all your listeners would have the same, the same experience. So my thought was, why not uh, re-divert the flights now, um, which which hopefully could be done to say, right, you're flying from Dublin to Malaga or you're flying from Dublin to Alicante or whatever it is, and just uh, say, okay, now your flight is from Cork. Yeah, yeah. So that was just my thought, you know. And You'd wonder what the you know, aviation logistics of it are, but it's a good idea, you know. Exactly. Like, I'm, look, the, you know, if, if COVID taught us anything, if it taught us anything at all, it's that we could change. Who would have thought four years ago that you'd be sitting on Princess Street on a Saturday afternoon at five o'clock in the sunshine having a pint of Heineken and a bowl of chicken wings? You know, that, that, that would have been unthinkable three mm. or four years ago. Mm. So now is the time. We are resilient people. We're great people and we're and particularly Cork people and I'm proud Cork man, as you know. And I just think that the Dublin Airport Authority should actually just stand back and say, whoa, hang on a second. We've got overcapacity at this airport. Let's move it down to the other airport. And bear in mind, this is the Dublin Airport Authority that wanted control of Cork Airport when we wanted it to get independent. So they actually run Cork Airport. So the logistics, they're they're the ones, they could be handling it. That's absolutely correct. Um, They do run the the airport. And look, it is what it is, I suppose. Um, (laughs) As much as we'd love to be running the airport ourselves, they're there and uh, you know that that's correct but I mean I just think they should just stand back have a look and say you know what uh, and it's not even Cork I, on Twitter yesterday there was people talking about Knock Shannon Farron 4 uh, even Waterford Airport was mentioned so why not like well, let's let's move these flights out of Dublin Airport let's alleviate the problem and um, you know there is a, um, and I was quoted miscorrectly but but there is 1.4 million people uh, living in in Dublin 
there's 1.2 million people living in Munster. So I'm sure there's many of those 1.2 million people yeah. that are living in Munster that are uh, uh, flying out. So let's just try to to uh, divert the flights down to these airports. Well, let's let's maybe. I mean, you as, as president of the business association, um, wearing that hat now, you can say you can call on the DEA to to answer this and say why 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 can this can this be done? And if not, why not? You run the airport. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we 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 in the business association will be asking that question today, and we will be, uh, you know, we we will be asking them but um, at the end of the day they, they have to make that decision and I'm sure there's lots of other stuff going on here like in relation to landing charges and you know there's probably a lot of politics involved yeah. no doubt but um look I just I just think it it, it makes sense is mm. all I'm saying it makes sense. Okay. All right. Kevin thanks that's Kevin Hurley president of the Corp Business Association. I thought at the weekend <clears throat> of a friend of mine a friend of mine sadly no longer with us a great man called John Smith and uh, Jerry Bottomer, you would have known John Smith, known him well, probably counted him as a friend as I did. This crack wouldn't be happening under Smithy's watch. What's gone wrong, Jerry? Good morning. Thank you, Jerry. And, and certainly John Smith would have been on your programme and would have been very strong in his advocacy today of, of not just Cork, but of, of, of regional airport development. And Jerry, I that's a terrible phone line. Let me see if I can't clean that up, will you? That's a dreadful phone line. It's bad enough me sounding hoarse without you sounding like you were out of Jabrovia. Let's see if we can clean it up. All right, I'll come back to you in just a sec. Thank you. 0818969696. Talking to Senator Jerry Baltimore. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie You guys ready? Watch out, watch out. Drive home weekdays from four on Cork's 96FM. Festival season is here and this week on the show I want to get you to one of the biggest festivals in the country, Independence in Mitchellstown. I've got a pair of weekend camping tickets to give away every day and you could be heading along if you can crack the indie mix. I'll tell you more weekdays from four. The Big Drive Home with Cash and Carry Kitchens, Tremor Road and Photo Retail Park. Talk to the kitchen experts about your free design consultation. See On Courts 96 FM. Well, this is the big topic of the weekend of the morning. <clears throat> the Dublin situation was chronically bad, disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. But Cork people had their holiday cancelled by Tui, like whether standing waiting in the airport. Susan O'Neill took to uh, Facebook to complain about it due to departed. 10 past 2. Got an email at 10 past 3, said the flight was cancelled, and so was the full holiday. I understand something else similar happened to Tui in Manchester. But regardless of that, uh, the situation is just not acceptable at our airports at the moment. And I was mentioning an old friend, John Smith. And Jerry, it wouldn't have happened in, in John's day. That's simple as plain as it is, isn't it? Good morning. Well, good morning, TJ, and I hope you're feeling better. I'll be than, grand. Than the, Trust me. And the passengers who were, who were stuck yesterday. And I can tell you, TJ, you've travelled with family, just imagine the anxiety, the tension, the stress yesterday, being up there, and I know from talking to people that are very upset, um, people miss flights, I think there's four parts to this, PJ, part one is our, our aviation policy needs to support regional airports like Cork in particular, and, and secondly then, there needs to be a, a shift by the airlines, 
uh, and it's the airlines, as you know, and John Smith was very was very much interacting with airlines in his job, is about incentivizing route development in the example of Cork. And then thirdly, there's an issue that the we, we were out as a committee on the 4th of April with Dublin Airport Authority. Remember, PJ, over the Easter weekend, 50,000 passengers went through Dublin Airport in 40 minutes. Yeah. So why then yesterday had you the calamity of yesterday? Now, I, 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 I know Kevin Cullinan, and, and he's an extraordinary man, as you know well, uh, is a very good air, aviation man. This, to me, is about people, PJ. It's about the travelling public from yesterday, but not just yesterday. You know, as Kevin Hurley said, it's the missed flight. That's one thing getting recompensed. But it's the wedding you miss or the time you mm. miss. And, and it's, but for me, it's about, the, and then the third part is about staffing. Dublin Airport Authority, when we met them, were in the process of recruitment. Uh, a thousand people left over COVID. They were hoping to have 300 people back in employment by June. Uh, and then the 14 PJ that I think many of us involved in, in politics and in, in your program in aviation didn't, I'd say, fully get was the pent up demand post COVID in terms of the whole volume of traffic. Mm-hmm. Now, but the most important point for me, PJ, is how is it that, for example, 50,000 people yesterday were were immersed in chaos? Mm-hmm. Easter holidays, same number, no problem. It doesn't make sense, and, and that's the part. That's part of the problem. But the overarching point, PJ, is is I think two parts. One is airlines must work with with all of us to ensure that airports like Cork, which is a good airport, has a quality service in terms mm. of getting through, getting on board, and flying. Uh, increase the output in terms of flights. And the other part then is the airlines, PJ, and and as you know. Aer Lingus, Short Hall is in significant trouble. Emerald have not recommended some of their flights out of yeah. Cork. And, and, and there's question marks about the aviation sector in terms of Short Hall. Yeah. So, so the airlines must have it as well. See, so Jerry, you in your opposition days, you were a keen advocate of the independence of Cork. Um, and you were opposed, I believe, back then to DAA taking it over and running it. But look, that, that, that is what it is now. Moving flights to Cork, it's probably logistically difficult. But I don't get this labour shortage stuff. Everyone is just being funnelled through Dublin. That's what's happening. Everyone's being funnelled through Dublin. I think, Peter, the, the issue of separation is one that is is done. That 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 is over. Cork Airport has has done very well out of Dublin Airport Authority. Two point eight million passengers pre-COVID. But the important point, as you said, there is it's about recruitment of staff, and it's about ensuring that the that that the staff that are recruited are offered one just fair wage to hours that that are not literally just about bookkeeping that are about ensuring that the travelling public are not discommoded. Now the other part of the problem PJ that I think that that happened at the weekend and and I know I would be one of those people if I was told turn up two and a half hours given what I saw yesterday I'd be there four hours nearly. Um, People people are are, are overcompensating but I don't blame people for playing it safe. I would Dave, I would be the person there four hours. I heard a radio interview this morning with someone who was flying out, was due to fly out this morning at half eight, and they've been there since quarter past two. There's well, no I way to start a holiday. No, I have friends of mine who are, who, are, who actually just spoke to before your programme uh, came to me, who were actually flying out this morning. They left overnight from Cork and were there, I think, at maybe four o'clock for a flight this morning at, at around half nine, ten o'clock. So that just gives you an example. People play it safe, but the, the fundamental, P- PJ, is... A thousand people left. 
there was an issue with recruitment that was well flagged. The committee went out there in on the fourth of, of, of April to meet with them. They they knew ahead of time um, that this was an issue. We're coming into summer season, PJ. It isn't the off season. This is summer. Um, I know we're near full employment, but there, there's no reason why extra staff couldn't be put in place and trained. And then secondly, on a Sunday, on a busy Sunday, the airlines, whilst they mightn't share their manifest, will, will share their passenger load numbers. And, and extra lines should have been open. There should have been greater input of, 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 of information and, 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 a, and a joined up approach by the airlines because there was an issue with baggage yeah. drop. And then if you know, Aer Lingus's app went off on Friday as well. Oh, it was just a mess. Uh, you, you said a thousand people left during COVID. They were let go. They didn't walk out of their own accord. They were let go. Well, there was a combination, PJ. I'm not arguing that point. There was a combination. There was a thousand people <clears throat> who were there, not there now, to a combination of. And remember, a lot of people have left hospitality and left the airline that, yeah. that sector to get but other why? jobs that are more. Why won't they come back? Why won't they come back now? They left. Why won't they come back? Some of it is, I think, because of the contracts being offered. Some of it is the anti-social hours. But the most important point, as I said to you, is we must incentivize people to come and work in yeah. these jobs so that the travelling public won't be discommoded. Hold on. I keep want to come back to that point on the thousand people because someone's picked me up on it here and, and they're right. They, they, they were left go. And the, the, in fairness, the government did say, did, did put incentives in place to help companies to keep them. That, that's, that'll never be forgotten. But they were left yes. go. Now you can't get them back. That's the problem. Well, I'm not arguing the point. The point I'm making is, PJ, that we must recruit people. They knew Dublin Airport Authority ahead of the summer schedule that this was going to happen. Um, they would have known a month, six weeks, two months ahead known. of yesterday. They know the, the, the June weekend is next weekend. They knew the figures a month ago. They're actually recruiting since October, PJ, because I have my note in my, in my diary here from the meeting. They're, they're recruiting since October. Now, that's, to me, unacceptable that, that you can't put in place between October and, and the June mm. bank holiday weekend. You know, a, a doesn't you ask questions about what's actually on offer? Did you did you ask the DA well, what's does. on offer? Yes, we spoke to them about the whole issue of contracts and about the whole issue of of of, of payment. And like, is it full time, well paid work, or is it really well, awful hours, really awful pay? I think that's part of the issue, PJ. That needs to be addressed by DEA is the type of contracts they offer. And I'm not here to defend DEA, as you know. I'm here uh, as a member of the Transport Committee and we'll be meeting them hopefully this week. And the Minister this morning will be meeting them and I've asked her to raise those issues around the, the schedule, around the pay and remuneration of staff. Because it is important, PJ, that in, 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 in our airport, which is, a, which is a public point of contact, that one, our own members of citizens travelling abroad uh, are not discommoded but secondly yeah. the people coming in is their first point of contact that they receive a good welcome into Ireland yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what we've got basically is we have an airport up the road here that's <clears throat> underused and we have another one that's jammed and half staffed it's a mess Jerry. mess and, and the point I would make PJ then in the context of our national aviation policy is that the airports the airlines the Department of Transport uh, the tourism sector must sit down. Uh, they should have been sitting down months ago. Well, not in the well, middle of it. We, 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 well, uh, we have at the moment, PJ, what we have is a review of, of of our national aviation policy. So what I'm saying to you this morning on your radio program is that we must look at how we can support our regional airports already. Yeah, all these things take time. We need what we now need no, I, at the I, moment is an, we have an emergency now. We can't be yeah, talking about reviews and task forces and committee no, meetings. No, no, we have an emergency. No, but it, but PJ, what I'm saying is we must, the learnings from all of this must be that a regional airport program must include airports like Cork, must also then have a, a priority to, to move flights and to move 
airlines to say, look, come to Cork, uh, come to Shannon in, in the case of, of, of USA flights. But in our case, in, in short haul European flights. We might manage that next year. What about next week? Well, next week is about ensuring that we don't have the debacle that we had this weekend. What's happening to make sure that doesn't happen? Say that again, sorry. What is happening to make sure that doesn't happen? Well, well, there's, there's three pieces to that. One is that the DEA are meeting the minister today. Secondly, they're coming to the committee on, on, on either tomorrow or Wednesday. And then thirdly, it, it is about ensuring that the airports with the airlines. Like, remember today, PJ, in Amsterdam, KLM have stopped selling flights. We have issues in Toronto, Sydney. I get that. I get that. But really, yeah. most people don't actually care. What, what no, they see is a Dublin Force policy that has now paid off with a, a an, an airport that is understaffed and, and, and full jammed. And this is down to Dublin Force policy is how people see it. Well, my priority has always been PJ, a Cork Force policy. And we have a Cork airport that is, that is, that is available, that is doing quite well. It's recovering from COVID. Uh, we need to see more flights. But we also need to see PJ, and we're, we're, we're missing this part of the equation. Airlines must ensure and must work with all of us to, to make airports like Cork an, a, an attractive proposition to come to. And equally, if you're living, PJ, in Port Leash or Thurles uh, or anywhere up that part of the country, it's much better for you to come to Cork and fly out of Cork than it is out of Dublin. And we must, we must, DEA must put a promotional campaign around that. Who will be held responsible for what happened at the weekend? Well, ultimately, it's the, it's the DEA who's responsible. They're the people who, who run the airport on behalf of all of us, and they're the people who must answer the questions. But in saying that, it, it is about making sure that our aviation policy reflects a different Ireland now because we, we have we have very strong proposition in Cork that needs to be incentivised and promoted. Have, but all, all that thing takes time. We don't have it. We have days to the next surge. Well, well, PJ, the DA have days to sort Dublin. Like, for example, this morning, you have forty you have a 40-minute true security with, with almost the same number of people going through. Uh, yeah, but how long is it taking to get there? That's the thing. That 40 minutes... Well, is, uh, that, I heard Kevin Cullinan saying that. Like, I have great respect for Kevin. But 40 minutes to get through. How long is it taking to get there? Because yesterday, that's what was happening. It was taking three hours to get in there. Oh, yeah. No, PJ, I'm not defending yesterday. In any shape or form, yesterday was a calamity that should never have happened. And it was folk, it was forecast in many ways. What, what we must do now is to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Uh, and that's why it's important the DEA put in place this morning a new process and, and and what I discovered last night was that they haven't trained yet some of the new staff I yeah. believe uh, and why has uh, that happened that should happen today here, here's something the contract being offered 20 hours a week in Cork 30 hours in Dublin you're on call 7 days that kind of carry on won't get you staff no, and I made that point to you, PJ, about contracts and about staffing and about remuneration and, and about the hours that, that that needs to be all part of the mix. And that's why it's important that the uh, sit down. Uh, and I know Can DA not be told by a Minister for Transport or in Rochester's committee? Can DA, which is a semi-state or whatever title you put on it, lads, sort it out, pay them properly, full-time contracts, go and do it. But they've been, that's been done, PJ, and that will be done again this week. There's no issue with that. All of us agree with that and all of us accept that. And in fairness, if you look at the issues in Cork, we, we have a very good airport with very good staff relations. And, and, yeah. and, and, and I want to praise the staff in Cork Airport who took a, a hit during COVID and, and who stood by I'm, their airport. I'm only, I'm only, I'm only thanking my lucky stars I booked out of Cork again this year because I don't think I'd... I'd, I'd, my, my, I'd have had a, an aneurysm standing in that queue yesterday. It's absolutely crazy. Carry on. Jerry, look, we'll, we'll see well, what... PJ, yeah, go on. 
I, I'm actually just giving an example. I'm flying to Barcelona next Thursday night. I can't get a flight out of Cork because Aer Lingus hasn't resumed. There you go. And uh, that is and the that's problem. Unacceptable by you. That is the problem. And it's I mean, CAA, I, I it's CAA managers Cork. So they also got to fix that one. But it's Aer Lingus and Emerald who haven't come back to Cork despite the best efforts of Cork Airport. Yeah. But is DAA, and then, and how much pressure is DAA putting on Aer Lingus to go back to Cork? But it's not as simple as that, unfortunately. It's about the airline saying, well, look, you know, we're not going to do that. Uh, despite the best efforts of Cork Airport, they incentivized to... But, and that's why government have given the funding for route development. And I'm making the point that under the regional airport program, that Cork Airport must continue to be included so that we can prioritise route development, incentivization on the airport charges and landing fees, as you know, okay. as, as John Smith would have told you and told all of us. Absolutely. That's pivotal. Uh, and I still thing. stand over what I'm saying, Jerry. None of this crack would have happened on Smithy's watch. And I, I, I know it was different times. It just wouldn't have happened because he'd have had something, he'd have had something planned. Question in from Noel. Any chance to get a few soldiers up there to run the security until we get staff? That that was muted by by the by by the transport committee when we were out there in April uh, under our chairman Kieran O'Donnell. We did raise that point of the of the staff of of the, the defence forces coming in. That was ruled out by both well, the DA and the department. Sorry, hang on a second. And well, well, hey, Jerry, Jerry, stop. That was ruled out. Sorry, who's running the damn country, Jerry? You don't oh, no, ask them, will you do it, please? You tell them to do it. Well, the, you, that's a matter for the Minister for Defence and the Department of Defence, PJ, we're told, because Kieran O'Donnell, our chair, did ask the question about the army coming in over the over the Easter holiday period. But look, we're, we're meeting them tomorrow or Wednesday. I'd be happy to come back in your programme again. Do, please, I'd like uh, that and, because and, I'm... Uh, let's, let's, I mean, I, I t- thank you, Jerry, Senator Jerry Butler. I wonder sometimes that, who's running the country? You know, could we maybe bring in the army? No, sorry, bring in the army. Ring Collins Barracks and bring in the army. That's not what this nonsense. Oh, we'll ask them. Would they no, you tell them. Who's running the flipping show like Dennis? Good morning. Coaches, Hello. coaches were affected, yeah? Uh, good morning. Am yeah. I on the, yeah. You are, you're on me. You're on, you're on this, PJ. Yeah, PJ. I used the bus air coach down from Dublin on Friday. Okay. But for the first time. And it got into the city and the bus was unable to get into the space that was allocated for it to stop in. Now, the traffic then built back up onto the... I'm sorry, I don't know the name of the keys, but the, the traffic then yeah, pen, ben, bent up back into the keys and cars were blowing horns. Then the taxis couldn't pick up the people who were te- coming off the bus. And likewise, if you were being picked up or dropped off to get your bus to back to Dublin, you couldn't get back into, into the key. The whole thing is unsuitable for the job that it has been laid. And why? Because we have a needy of a minister, Eamon Ryan, who wanted to put a bicycle lane up along the quay. Now, people can't get on the flights in Dublin because they let all the staff go, who they could bring back tomorrow morning under contract, that they're already trained. The army's not trained to do security work uh, by such. Likewise, you cannot get a passport. Who's responsible for all this? Eamon Ryan. He well, is the, the passport minister. comes under foreign affairs, which would be well, Simon well, Coveney. Yeah. Well, Simon Coveney will rope him in too, but he's staying low these days. But the majority of the transport comes under Eamon Ryan. Now, when the Greens come to your door in future, let, let everybody remember this and don't vote for these idiots. Well, do you know what? It, it, <laughs> a 
I think a lot of people were very upset over the weekend. They didn't care who was in charge, Dennis. Good point. Uh, thanks for that. So there, the new parking arrangements on Penrose Quay, which we were told would be grand. They were anything but grand at the weekend. Dennis, thanks. 0818 96 96 96. PJ, a flight from Cork to Gatwick, 180 return per person. Same flight from Dublin, 78 per person. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Maria, the DAA must pay all passengers, must pay back all passengers who missed their flight. They knew how many were going, says Kate. There's no excuse for it. Yeah. The price of stuff, though. Oh, I must tell you about my own little bit of research at the weekend. The price of stuff has gone insane altogether. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96FM. Right, I have marquee tickets to give away, by the way, this morning. Live marquee underway since last Friday. <clears throat> I have tickets for Simply Red and I have tickets for Riverdance. That's later on this morning between 10 and 11. I'll do Simply Red between 11 and 12. We'll do Riverdance if you want to go to at the marquee. See that announcement uh, last week about the Minister, Josepha Madigan, saying that there would be special educational needs centres opening in Dublin, five of them, that would be exclusively for children with an education, special educational need. A lot of people have hit out at that and say, hang on a second now, these you can't just be setting these places up because you haven't got enough proper education systems. This is a form of discrimination, in actual fact, is what they say it is. Now, also happening down in West Cork, Emma, we were talking to you, was it you or another parent a couple of weeks ago about the situation where there's the dire need of a special school or special classes in the Clonakilty area, and they've been refused it. Now, Tess says your daughter, isn't it, Emma? That's correct, yeah. And, that's and she's correct. going to St Killian's. She is. Which is she here is. in the city, and that's two hours every day. Yeah, two hours and maybe more on a Friday, you know, just depending on the traffic. Yeah. Tell me about her typical day. Yeah, well, she now um, gets up around seven. So uh, her bus picks her up just after eight. Um, Yeah, she commutes to school over an hour and back again then in the evening, just kind of after four. But again, just depending on depending on traffic. Mm. She's nine. She's nine. She is. Yeah. Yeah. And and how is she doing? Can she handle it? She's no, she's not doing very well with the transition actually. She's she's good, she's happy to go on the bus, but we can see it in other ways. So things that she was able to cope with before, just the daily tasks of life, she's really, really struggling with now. She's regressed a lot mm. in the last she's only about in week four now, um, of the new school. Now the new school is fantastic, mm. absolutely unbelievable and um, the level of understanding of what she needs of the way her brain works and um, the communication with us as her parents and understanding things from our side is just unbelievable yes. I've never experienced anything like it Fantastic been service, in school, obviously. like it's an hour away yeah yeah it's not it's not good enough that she can't just get up and be in her own community or closer by mm. and go to school every day and what's the update um, on the campaign then to get a similar school in West Cork? Well, I suppose so. we're a group of parents who've come together and um, we have children with special needs and we understand and obviously that there is a massive need for it down here in West Cork. We cannot expect our children to travel like Tessa is doing and further 
children are coming from further than Tessa is to go to school every day. Um, and we are just trying to get the word out there now. So we just need parents to come forward. Uh, think long term. It's not only that if your child is in a primary school now and that they have a place and the primary school is meeting their needs, because we're not saying that schools aren't meeting children's needs. Yeah. Some of them are. But there is uh, there's a number of children that the primary setting doesn't suit. So as, as the school setting or the unit. So Tessa did both. Tessa was in a, in, in a classroom and in a unit. Neither were for her. So she was in no man's land. Right. There was nowhere for her to be. And there is a number, a number of children just the same. And they're, you know, it's not working for them. So we need to have that down here. Their needs are not being met. They're never going to reach their full potential in these schools. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the St. Killian's where Tess is travelling to now is an example of where she can succeed. Yes. They do understand her. You know, they they are trained. They have the training and the knowledge. But the community is taking it out of her. Absolutely. You can't like I, I, I do that. I traveled up and down myself to bring her, um, you know, to look at the school and everything else. And I could, you know, I could barely deal with that travel. It's that's not OK to put a child on a bus for that long. And the, the thing is, a child in our community who's, who's only going to be five is going to be expected to do this next year. A fo- like a five-year-old on, onto a bus. And, and he might not be able to cope with it. And the word so from up not, the line, sorry about that, Emma, the word from up the line, mm-hmm. I believe, is that you're not getting anything because St. Killian's oh, is there. Yeah. Oh, we got a letter from the Secretary of the Minister for Education and Inclusion and it stated that they're, they're looking at building a new school and they will build a new special school which will be in Rochestown. Now, that's not West Cork. No. Rochestown <laughs> is in Cork City. So that's not going to meet any of our needs. That doesn't do anything for us down here in West Cork. Um, and, you know, I was looking at an interview the other day and, PJ, we shouldn't have to parade. I shouldn't have to parade my private life on social media so that children and all over West Cork can get what they need. You know, I, I was reading an, an interview with Brendan O'Connor talking about his his daughter who has Down syndrome. Yes. And he was talking about the the disgrace that that is the system at the moment. And he made a really good point. Like, I shouldn't have to come on here to the radio to you mm. to to parade my private life to I mean, get what we need. You shouldn't have to come on here with me. You shouldn't have no. to. I'm glad you no. did. We're having a great conversation. I completely appreciate where you're coming from. Yeah. But this shouldn't be necessary. No, but if it means that children don't have to go through what Tessa has gone through for the last since her prime, like since, you know, for the last five years, it then this is worth it. And and we will fight and we will keep fighting because she might not get this now by the time, even if a school was to be built, you know, secondary wise, she might get in there. But this is the problem is that we're forgetting that it's not only primary, the transition from primary to secondary for a child without additional needs is so hard. So you add in extra needs to that. And then maybe not a school place, a school that can't meet their needs in secondary level. And we already have like one of our our our, um, our group who will be in the Southern Star on Thursday, uh, Marston and Marta, fabulous parents of Nicholas. Um, and their struggle and their story, which everyone can read on Thursday, is just shocking. Yeah. Yeah. It's shocking what that little boy is going through at home in his house because in secondary level, they can't meet his needs. So what we want is a special school that would provide the needs for children from the ages of five right up to 18, somewhere where they can go and their needs can be met. And um, these kind of struggles and awful stories that are, are happening won't happen anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's not, um, it's not, it's not on really, to be honest. It's not on. No. And like we get, like I know the the minister and the the government are saying, you know, we're doing 
we're doing extra classes, we're providing extra SNAs, and that's all well and good. We need that. The schools need that. They need more support. I've not been in the school away. primary system. Yeah, they need that and that's all well and good, but it's not meeting the needs of children who need a special school. The setting is different, the teachers are different, the supports are different. It's not the same. It's totally different. And some children need that. Yeah, okay. Thank, uh, th- thank you very much, uh, Emma. Emma from Clonakilty, daughter of Tessa. Great school, St. Killian's, the new one. Great, great school. But it's an hour and sometimes more away on the bus. And when you're nine and you've got additional needs, that's just not good enough. Thanks for that, Emma. Um, we'll follow this one with, with interest. Um, that story of all those things that Josepha Madigan wants to set up in Dublin, five special centres. Um, a lot of people are very bothered about that, looking at it as a form of discrimination, whether she gets it or not. And someone compared it at the weekend. These are somebody else's words, not mine. Compared it at the weekend. Supposing we said, okay, all of the children of the travelling community, we're going to put them into five separate centres. All of the children of colour, we're going to put them into five separate centres. There would be uproar. But all the children with a special educational need, Ash will put them in there now. That's pretty much what Josepha Madigan is looking to do in Dublin. Now to Joe Dalton. Where exactly are you, Joe? Good morning. Good morning, Peter. I'm actually about uh, six kilometres from Santiago right now at the moment. I'm in a little cafe here. I pulled in so I could talk to you. Good man. Santiago and, de Campicella, um, yeah? Yeah, yeah. So it's today's day 34 of my journey. So I'm a day ahead of schedule. Good <laughs> so man. We're heading into Santiago there in about six six kilometres. Good man. Good man. So you're, you're so, doing the Camino, the famous Camino. Yeah, I started uh, back in, in April, 26th of April. I left to Beirut, to go to Beirut and then started from San John Pied on the 27th of April and um, it's been a magnificent experience you know 34 days of uh, great headspace and solitude as well you know yeah. what's um, the attraction but it's all I know you're doing it for charity and I'll, expl- I'll get to that in a second but as someone who as so I know loads of people who've done it <clears throat> and I would I mm. why like why would you go why would you go well, walking is that, is, that, yeah. is that a cocky yeah. doodle do behind you it is, yeah. <laughs> They're all joining in. They're all joining in. Um, do, do you know what, TJ? That's a very good question, but I, I actually wanted to do the Camino long before uh, COVID came about. And um, uh, the, the, the charity part of it was secondary, but it, it was for, uh, for gratitude for what the doctors and nurses did for my family with regard to three of my grandchildren, you know. Um, okay. But in particular, Ben. But, uh, like, it's... I ask myself every morning, like, why do I get up and keep going here? Because you say, I'd love to lie in this morning, but you know you have another 25 or 26K to do every day mm. to, to, go, to, to get to Santiago. But it, it just pulls you. There's some kind of magnet there that's drawing us towards Santiago. And is it and, a religious uh, thing for you, Joe, or what? It, it, you know, it didn't start out that way, but it has, yeah. it has become that way a little yeah. bit. I, I actually recall some Latin from school, a hymn that I learned, and I've been singing it in every church that I went into, so I've become a little celebrity on the walk what, with what people listening that? to it. So, uh, O Salutaris. I heard it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember yeah. it now, but I heard it, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know, I just, it, it never left me, you know. Right. From, I learned it in CBS in Blarney Street in in. in in Cork and uh, it just never left me and uh, it just it's been revived here on the Camino and I suppose it's 
I suppose it's coming up to Corpus Christi as well. So uh, mm. that's the, the period of the, the it was it was uh, Saint Thomas Aquinas actually wrote it for Corpus Christi. I got you. So now, you're heading off again. Surely. Is, you're you're raising money for who? I'm raising money for Ronald McDonald House Charities Ireland and also for Cockpenny Dinners. Um, they're the two charities that are close to my heart. Um, and as I said, Ben was was born back in March 2007, and uh, our family had been up and down. He was very ill because he had he was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, okay. you know, which basically means that the left side of your heart doesn't exist. You know, there's no ventricle and there's no the pump is not working there. Right. So. Um, he he had to be moved to the coom, so our Kerry had to be moved to the coom. My daughter now, so she could have the baby, and then from there, within 12 to 18 hours, Ben was operated on in the Crumlin. And if you can imagine, some a baby's heart was about the size of your thumb that the doctor worked on, and you can imagine putting a scalpel through that. It takes Amazing. some bravery and skill Amazing. level Amazing. to do that, and he was able to repair. Uh, Ben's heart at the start. So that was his first major procedure and he's a great fighter and a beautiful kid and um, he's he's come through four other or three other surgeries as well, major surgeries in, in his life to date. He's now 15 and like in that period of time when we were up there, we had to um, uh, look for accommodation and my son William and Kerry. So you can imagine a com- the cost of accommodation for yeah. people would be like a second mortgage. If, if So only for Ronald McDonald House, yeah. they wouldn't have been able to, to, you know, to survive, especially. So, and that went for, we met other families up there from Cork, from all over Ireland. Like, so they provide a fantastic service. And, uh, you know, it, I know there's other charities out there that are so absolutely deserving all over the place, but we need to look into our own as well. Yeah. I think, you know, and not forget them and the marvellous work that they do here. Yeah. And also, PJ, the, the Ronald McDonald House are actually moving into the new children's hospital and they're building a 53-bed complex in there. So that's even going to help more people, you know. So uh, every penny counts towards it. And as I said, the other one is Penny Dinners. Speaks for with myself and Katrina. Yeah, Penny, uh, Katrina told me myself, we, I'm with a member of Shine the Light Suicide and Mental Health Awareness. So we work t- together on the ground a lot. And uh, I just uh, told uh, Katrina that I would do the fundraising for them mm. uh, as well. And I thank her. She does some marvellous work there with all the wonderful staff and volunteers in there. You have an I donate page, feed. haven't you, if people want to help out? Yeah, and it's good. The fund is, is I, I was looking to raise 10,000, and at the moment it's at 3,445, which I'm delighted with. Right. And especially with all that's going on with all the other charity uh, fundraising that's going on. But uh, yeah, it's uh, WWI donate. Uh, dot i.e. forward slash Joe Dalton but I sent you the link PJ you, you might throw you up did. the link we'll, there we'll I sent it to Fergal I think we may have done it already and, but uh, we'll share that yeah will you yeah and uh, you know I, I want to thank everybody who supported me all along the journey here you know it kept me going because uh, you know it's it's not easy to get up every day and walk <laughs> 25 or 26 kilometres well, a day well fair play to you and you've done, you, you, you've, you've done more than I could do I could I could I don't think I could ever manage to do that Joe thank you very much Joe Dalton from Almost at the end of the uh, Camino de Santiago de Constella. He'll be there today uh, after starting walking in April. Uh, congratulations, Joe. Raising money for penny dinners in Ronald McDonald House. I think we're sharing the link. And go, and, go and give him a few quid. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? 
the opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Right, do you want to go to the marquee? Marquee is underway and a great lineup for 2022. Riverdance next weekend and Simply Red on Wednesday, June 1. And I have tickets for you. Go there. Be my guest. Tickets to see Simply Red live at the marquee this Wednesday, June 1. Tickets are still available at Ticketmaster but I have two pairs to go and see Simply Red on Wednesday live at the marquee. Thanks to our friends at Aiken Promotions and live at the marquee. Finish the song title. It's text competition. Text to WhatsApp. Finish the song title. Holding back the A months or B years. Holding back the A months or B years. Text me the correct answer, A or B, and your name to 083 396 96 96. I picked two winners just before the 11 o'clock news, so keep this open for the hour. Simply read Live at the Marquee this Wednesday, June 1. Hold me or holding back the A months or B years. Which one is it? A or B? And your name to 083 396 96 96. Two pairs of those tickets to give away. All right. <laughs> you nearly had the Camino done if you added up all the time you spent at Dublin Airport, says a call. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, there's a very easy way to solve the issues in Dublin Airport. Make flights from Cork and Shannon more available and more affordable. Prices from Cork are much higher than forcing people to travel to Dublin. And there is always that. <clears throat> 0818 96 96 96. Apologies again for the voice. It'll just about get me through the day and we'll be okay. I promise you, we'll be okay. Now, we have been covering this one for the last couple of weeks. And we're in contact with the Minister for Public Expenditure, Minister Michael McGrath, about it at the moment. We've been in contact with him over the weekend, both myself and Fiona had messages from him. And we're hoping to speak with him on the programme in the next couple of days. We've been getting <clears throat> messages like this. I'm working for the HSE. I was on to you before about the €1,000 bonus. It has not yet been paid to some workers. I find that, found out now it's been released to our payroll, but there's an official holding it up. The private sector have already got their money. Can anyone please explain what the hold-up is? Because we're not getting any explanations. In this case, it doesn't even seem to be the government's fault. We deserve it, but at least we deserve an explanation. Hi there, I work as a contract cleaner in HSE building. We've been told we're not entitled to the payment. Even when one of the main contract cleaning companies in all the hospitals, we've been cleaning COVID wards and COVID rooms all throughout. This seems very unfair because if we didn't do our jobs then the nursing homes, the HSE buildings would all be in total chaos. Many of the staff working for the company have high-risk family members at home, including myself. Those kind of messages are coming into us for weeks and weeks and weeks. Now, Colin Porter is uh, the INMO, the Irish Nursing and Midwives Organization's Assistant Director of Industrial Relations. Uh, Colin, good morning. Have your members been paid yet? Hi PJ, thanks, thanks for the, the call today. Uh, no, um, simply uh, the, the case is across Cork, our, our members 
that have been paid. And as you know, uh, nurses, midwives, and other healthcare staff that you mentioned there, it, they really were the backbone of the national response to the, the COVID pandemic. And the very least that they should expect is timely payment of their COVID recognition pay. And unfortunately, this isn't happening. I know you kind of mentioned uh, Minister Donnelly there, and despite um, comments from Minister Donnelly in Cork last Friday, there are... That line is breaking up on 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 me, Colin. Let me see if we can't improve it. See, can you grab them there on a better line, Fiona? Because it's 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 pretty poor. It's breaking up. Wasn't it Minister Donnelly we were referring to? Although yes, he was in Cork on Friday, and we were talking about radiothon, so we didn't have him on the show. But we've been in contact with the Minister of Public Expenditure, uh, Mike De McGrath, whose money, his department is 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 shelling out the money here. The Department of Health are paying it, but he's shelling the money out. Uh, and we've been hearing that it's sitting in an account. We've been hearing that people were told three paychecks ago it would be in the next paycheck. So why isn't it being paid out to them? Um, the cynic, for there are some around, might say, well, you know, um, there's interest mounting up. So if you've got a couple of thousand employees in a hospital or a big organisation, say a place like CUH, how many people out there eligible for a thousand euro? That's going to catch a handy bucket of interest sitting in an account for a couple of weeks, isn't it? Right, let's try Cullum again. So, your members haven't got it yet, Cullum, no? Yeah, no, that's, that's what I was just saying, PJ. Uh, yeah, they still, of course, court, they still haven't got it. And the, the least they expect um, should be the timely payment of their, their COVID recognition pay. But as you say yourself, unfortunately, this isn't happening. And again, despite the comments from Minister Donnelly when he was in Cork on Friday... Uh, it still hasn't been paid. And, you know, this payment was made and it was announced, or the payment was announced in January. We're almost six months into that. And, you know, with all the excuses that are coming from from hospitals, from the government, from the HSC, it's really going to take the good news out of it for our members. Now, we do expect the payment to be made to staff in the Mercy this week. But as you say, staff in uh, uh, CUH and in other HS settings, such as, you know, nurses working in the community, they're still waiting. Um, and if other hospitals across the country are able to make the payment, we have seen some hospitals make that payment, there really is no excuse. So yeah. I know you kind of referenced the, the red tape around the payment, and this really has to be removed. And the promise made to nurses and midwives and other healthcare workers, yeah. this payment does have to be made. So, and as well, our, you know, nurses and midwives, they have seen the government act quickly when it comes to making other payments related to COVID. Yeah. Uh, but the same urgency doesn't seem to apply when it comes to nurses and midwives who, were, you know, and along with other healthcare workers, really were the backbone of the national response to the COVID pandemic. Yeah. CUH gave us a very, very brief statement in which they said the process has commenced. Eligible staff will receive the pandemic payment in the coming weeks. That's all they said. Yeah, and that's the same what they're saying to us as well. Um, and, you know, I know some blame has to lie with, with the HSC, um, as we've seen. Some hospitals make the payment. But the ultimate blame does lie with the government. You know, they're the ones that kind of made the announcement in January. And since then, they've kind of uh, made employers jump through hoops to release the payment to staff. Uh, and, and that's just the case for the HSC. You know, we're still kind of waiting for the minister to release funding to, you know, the Section 39 employers, uh, to private health organisations, um, you know, such as those people who are working in, in nursing homes who, you know, were, were really... At, at the height of it when, when the pandemic was 
at its peak. I'm thinking of hardworking members of, of your union and, and others um, who have, for, call them for, for example, have got a holiday on which the balance is due. Yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and like, they were hoping on this. They might have even gone and booked the holiday on the basis that they can afford it with this money. Yeah, now absolutely. the balance is due and they haven't got their money. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's kind of, you know, this good news came through in January. Um, you know, our members thought that the payment would be coming through. I think the public in general were saying, you know, this is well-deserved. Um, and a lot of people have done that. You know, they were unable to take their annual leave during the height of the pandemic, you know, often working way above and beyond um, what was expected of them. And, you know, the the least they could get is some kind of monetary recognition that they could use to go on a holiday. Having read now two books uh, about the pandemic, one by Richard Chambers and the other by uh, Hugh and, uh, and Jack, the two journalists that won Pandemonium, Having read those two books now about how the pandemic was operated from behind the scenes, the disrespect being shown to your members is appalling, Colm. Well, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, and as I kind of said at, at the outset, you know, these people were the, the backbone of the, the response to the to the pandemic. Um, and the fact that they, they've been promised this payment and they still haven't got the payment... Um, yes, you know, uh, as we said, it kind of really kind of takes the goodness out of it. Um, so, yeah, so that's the unfortunate <clears throat> position where we find ourselves in PJ. Yeah. Okay, thanks for that, Colin Porter. He's the Assistant Director of Industrial Relations, the INMO, the Nurses Union. Yeah, we we weren't able to return to this on Thursday or Friday because of <clears throat> Radiothon. But COH said to us, the process has commenced, eligible staff will receive the pandemic payment in a couple of weeks, in the coming weeks. Coming weeks could be anything. Coming weeks, let, let's be let's be sure. Clear. Coming weeks could mean July, or coming weeks could mean this week. So we don't know. There's no answer there. Now we were both on to Michael McGrath, Minister for Public Expenditure. He was away last week on business in America. He's back. Uh, he has told us over the weekend that he's looking into the situation, and, uh, communicating with the Department of Health, and will come back to us. And hopefully, we'll have him on the show in the next couple of days to see what exactly is happening with this money because it's being held over and 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 it simply isn't good enough <clears throat> Simply Reds live at the marquee then two pairs of tickets to give away this hour complete the name of the song holding back the A months or B years is it A or B text the answer in your name 083 396 96 96 two pairs of tickets to see Simply Red on Wednesday Can we just Opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Corks 96 FM. It's just a couple of days to go now before the closing date for the applications to be part of the Creative Schools scheme. There's two and a half million euro in the pot for 2022-23 to put arts and creativity into the schools. Sheila Nevrin the Associate Director uh, with Schools of Creative uh, Creative Schools. Sheila, good morning. Good morning, how are you? Good. Tell me a little bit about the, the programme. There's only a few days left to be part of it now, but tell me about it. Yeah, so Creative Schools, is it's a fantastic initiative which has been running for um, four years now. So it started in 2018. 
and it's a collaboration between um, Creative Ireland and it's led by the Arts Council with the partnership of the Department of Education and the department with the really long name, um, the Department of Tourism. I have it written down. <laughs> Tourism, Culture, you're Arts, yourself, Grace, basically. Sports and Media and whatever you're having yourself, exactly. <laughs> Um, no, so it's it's, it's mainly mainly a, an arts council initiative, or that's how, that's how it's run on the ground. And the idea is that it it encourages schools to place creativity and the arts at the centre of school life for their students. So it's it's basically a, a really positive program that encourages and supports schools to 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 up their creativity, to examine where they are at the moment, and to figure out what arts and creative endeavours they can put in place in their school in order to make school life really richer for, for all of the students mm. and the staff and the whole communities of the schools. And, and there's it's cash there to do it. There's cash there to do it. There is, yes. Yeah. So there's, now you, you mentioned that the whole pot, obviously that gets divided up. Yeah. <laughs> so so when it when it filters down to the schools, it's, it's, it's uh, I think it's about 4,000 euro per year. So they a school that, that is accepted on the programme is, is in it for two years. So they have 4,000 euro um for the for the two years and then they also have the work of a creative associate which is um either an artist or a teacher who's interested in the arts who who has is working with this program so i'm one of those i i work with graffiti theater company normally um and as part of my work with graffiti theater company i work with a number of schools helping them to figure out what exactly they want to do with their money how they want to to participate in creative schools and supporting them in finding the right people to work with, the right artists to come in and, and do projects with the students, working with the students to figure out what it is they'd like. Student voice uh, is really important in, in this project. So ideally, a lot of the initiatives come from the, the wishes and the desires of the, the young people themselves. And um, so we do a lot of work to try and make that happen so that it's not you know being imposed on people, but that the young people themselves are deciding what it is they'd like to get involved in. And then we're facilitating that and, and to the best of our ability, trying to make that happen. Um, and as I say, it's a two year initiative with schools. But actually, the intention is that you're kind of changing the, the school so that it becomes a sustainable thing that happens longer term in the school, you know. So how do schools go about getting involved? And I know there's only a very short amount of time left for them to do so. Yeah, so any school, primary, post-primary, special school or a youth reach centre, anyone is eligible to apply except schools who've just completed the programme themselves already. Um, so any schools who haven't been involved in it previously are welcome to, to apply. And usually there's somebody in the school who, who becomes the, the school coordinator who would be particularly interested maybe in the arts and they're the one who will complete the application. So the application is available through the Arts Council website. Um, and at creative, if you look up creative schools and the Arts Council, you'll find your way directly to the, the application page. Um, and the deadline is, as you say, it's, it's very soon, actually. It's, it's Thursday, this Thursday, of uh, Thursday, the 2nd of June. We're already in June on Thursday. Um, and it's, it's the 5.30pm the yeah. on, on Thursday. But you can make the application online, can't you? You make the application online. The only thing is you need to register to to be for an ARN, which is the Arts Council kind of registration number. So you'd have to do that immediately. A lot of schools would have that already from previous schemes. And if you have it already, you're grand. You're 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 in you're in with the with the the administration details already. But you um you do an application. It's not a huge application. 
um, outlining why your school wants to be involved and uh, the circumstances of your school. They're trying to get a broad range of schools as 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 broad a range as possible. Yeah. Um, and as I say, it's not just schools; it's also youth reach centres. And then any kind of school from primary, post-primary, special schools. Um, Gwaila School and I are welcome as well. And they often try and match up uh, a creative associate who, who has Gwaila. So I've worked with a lot of um, Irish speaking schools in my time with creative schools as well. Um, just so that we can we can work in their language as well, you know, in the, the school language. Okay, so I need to the Arts Council website to get on there by half past five. On Thursday, and you need to have your Arts Council number ready, or at least register for it. I assume they can do that fairly quickly if you're not registered already. Sheila Nivrin, thank you very much, a creative associate with Creative Schools. A uh, few thousand euro in it for you for two years to do more art and creativity in the school. Any school, unless you've been on it just now. But that's it. I'll give them an imp- uh, And I'd love to hear from a school that's actually done that, or someone who's had that done in school with their kids and see how it went. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96 FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Jerry McAvoy played, recorded and toured with Rory Gallagher for 20 years, playing on every solo album that the legendary guitarist ever released. Jerry brings his band of friends to the Oliver Plunkett on Friday, September 23rd for a night of Rory's classics. Access all areas. Samuel Levack is a London-based artist who often collaborates with Jennifer Lewandowski. Their practice spans film, performance, photography, text and music and explores themes of utopia and spiritualism. His exhibition, The Art Like Tea, is running at the Sirius Arts Centre in Cove. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition or any live streaming events by emailing us on AAA at 96fm.ie Access all areas Your guide to nightlife on side On Cork's 96FM Thanks Noelle for getting on to us here Noelle McCarthy uh, wants to do a request or a mention for her son Callum Callum Scallon He's 12, he's from Glasheen He went into Altrunk Street on Saturday busking and he raised 200 quid for the Radiothon Well done you 12 and one particular gentleman was very nice to him talking to him about his playing and gave him 20 quid. And then a lady asked him, does he bust regularly? He said, no, no, just for the radiothon. And when the man heard it was for the radiothon, he threw in an extra 20 quid. Ah, that's brilliant. That's a great young man, 12 years of age, busking for radiothon. He raised 200 quid. That's Callum Scallon. If you saw him on Front Street, you might remember him. 0818 96 96 96. Once again, apologies about the state of the voice. It's just something that happens at the time of the year, and sometimes I can stave it off, and sometimes I can't. It's a hell of me this morning. Hopefully, by tomorrow, it'll be better. Something else that I wanted to mention to you, and I wasn't going to name the place, but <clears throat> I will. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Now, because it's in the news again, the cost of, of hotels and how high and how ridiculously high it's after getting. I see Leo Varadkar this morning <clears throat> giving out to the hotels and saying, oh no, we'll put the vet back up if you do that. If you don't copy yourselves on. That won't work, Leo. That'll just get their, their, their backs up and, and won't. But on the 18th of July last year, very specific date, on the 18th of July last year, it was a Sunday night <clears throat> and the place was booked out. We stayed at, uh, I wasn't going to name it, but I will now, because I have all the details to prove it. We stayed at the Gresham in Dublin. We were on our way to the north, and we stayed overnight in the Gresham in Dublin on the 18th of July last year. Two rooms with B&B cost me 190 in July on a Sunday. Sold out. And I thought, that's, that's not bad, I'll have that. So, <clears throat> even though I'm not staying there this year, I got onto the website this morning to look at the same date, which is now a Monday this year, the 18th of July. It's sold out on the Sunday. There's no rooms left. But the 18th of July. So I had it last year for 190. Do you know how much they want this morning for two rooms B&B? Do you know how much? 628 quid. Three times the price and then some so that's what people are up in arms about and if you're ever wondering why people are charging to the airports to get out that's that's one of the reasons 0818 96 96 96 simply red tickets for Wednesday night I have two pairs to give away down the marquee text the rest of the song title holding back the is it A months or B years? The answer in your name, please. 283 396 96 96. Two pairs. We'll draw them just before the news at 11. Something that uh, has come up on the program before, and it was one of those things that I didn't know anything about until we were talking about it. A thing called gestational diabetes. This is a form of diabetes that women get when they're pregnant. And Pauline Dunn has been doing some research into it and I do believe that you are researching for a PhD in the causes and reasons behind gestational diabetes, Pauline. So talk a little bit more about it. Um, At the time I mentioned it, people rang in to say they'd had it and it went Mm -hmm. away afterwards. Why does it happen though in the first place? Good morning. 
This morning. Thanks a million for having me this morning. So many of us have heard about diabetes broadly, um, which means there's too much glucose or sugar in the blood instead of it being used for energy. And when diabetes happens in pregnancy, it's called, as you said, gestational diabetes. And it's one of the most common medical disorders in pregnancy. One in eight Irish women will have gestational mm-hmm. diabetes, so about 7,000 cases each year. Our body makes a hormone called insulin, and that helps keep our blood glucose levels in the normal range. During pregnancy, higher levels of pregnancy hormones can interfere with the insulin. And sometimes, so for one in eight, the body simply can't make enough insulin during pregnancy to keep their blood glucose levels normal. So the levels go up and that's called gestational diabetes. Okay. And does it go away normally then once baby is born? For many women, yes, um, gestational diabetes settles once baby is born. However, it can, having had gestational diabetes confers a much higher risk of future type 2 diabetes for a mum. So some research would say there's a 50% higher risk of developing type 2 later in life, but actually more recent re- research is telling us that a mum's risk is nine times greater than the mum next to her who nine hasn't times. had gestational diabetes. And crucially, this type 2 diagnosis often comes at a much earlier age than many of the population. So this research is, is very keen to focus on this this period of time after gestational diabetes so that we can hone in mm. on that risk. We are sometimes told, although others would disagree with it, Pauline, that type 2 diabetes is is somehow anyway life t- lifestyle based. Some elements of it are lifestyle based. Does that, is there a correlation there? in gestational diabetes? Not for for many um, people. So gestational diabetes will occur in one in eight and not all will have lifestyle considerations, but we certainly can reduce our risk of gestational diabetes by eating well, by maintaining a healthy weight and being active. I've no doubt you're going to have several callers saying, but hang on, I was all of those things and yes. I still got it. And yes. that, that is the case. That is the case. We're only talking about reducing risk. But certainly for planning future pregnancies, um, if a person has had gestational diabetes, then those are things that we would be mindful of. Yeah, but like, there, there, isn't a, there isn't a hard and fast, unfortunately. Sure. There will be a genetic component. There'll be other risk factors if a person is of an older age having a baby, right. um, if they've maybe had a larger baby in the past, if they have a condition like poly cystic ovaries, um, if they have various ethnic origins, all of these things can increase a person's risk. So there's lots of factors other than maybe a a woman's weight or um, how active she is. So um, there's also a a lot of stigma associated with gestational diabetes for that. You know, people get tired with one brush. So it is important to recognise there's lots of risk factors. And, And you're trying to find out what they are. Like if you had gestational diabetes on your first baby, is this almost a given you'll have it again on your second? It isn't a given, but mums will generally be monitored a little bit more closely or in some sites will be checked for gestational diabetes um, a little bit more early in the pregnancy. And I suppose this research is focusing on the after pregnancy stage. So we're calling it after GDM or after gestational diabetes because we're focusing on that future risk of type 2 diabetes. I suppose looking down the road, Pauline, possibly as a way to prevent it or recognise whether a person is prone to it and maybe 
help them prevent it? Would that be where you want to go? Precisely. So we're looking to develop an approach to preventing type 2 diabetes for these mums. But first, to do that, we have to look at the current picture. So we're very aware of what's happening in other countries, that it's been highlighted across health professionals and across mums who've had gestational diabetes, that many people aren't aware of the risk that we highlighted earlier on today or of what they can do to reduce their risk. Um, people aren't aware of, you know, that that follow-up piece. Mm. So we have a survey live at the moment for mums after gestational diabetes to capture that information. So our survey looks at questions around breastfeeding, around their future health risks, and whether they had time during pregnancy to have any questions answered or topics discussed to yeah. give them that information. And also it allows um, mums to share what type of information or support they would like or need after pregnancy and where it's best placed. So would they like, for example, to attend a group setting um, online or face to face or would they prefer information in a written format? And we know from other studies in other countries that there are gaps in that regard, that some appointments maybe had been scheduled, but they clashed with a school run Mm. or group sessions that were organised didn't cater for the needs of the new mum who wanted to focus on topics like weaning or lack of sleep or adjusting to their role. The groups perhaps were tailored for individuals at an older age with type 2 diabetes. So this survey helps collect the situation in Ireland at the moment. Tell me about your online survey and how people can take part in it. So we're really pushing the online survey through social media. So we have accounts set up on Twitter, on Facebook and on Instagram. So mums can find us there through after GDM, um, after gestational diabetes mellitus. And the link is live in the highlights or in the the post sections, it's very straightforward to find. And as an incentive, because I'm conscious everyone is busy, um, the survey should take no more than 10 minutes to complete. And as a thank you, there's the option to enter into a draw afterwards for one of four 75 euro one for all vouchers. Excellent. All right, listen, Pauline, anyone who can help, I can get in touch with you. Um, it's a very interesting subject. It's one I knew nothing about until people started telling me about it. But that connection between gestation Great, diabetes thanks. and... and um, Type 2 in later life. That's a very worrying one. Thanks very much, Pauline Dunn. Uh, she's researching for a, a PhD in chronic disease prevention and focusing on gestational diabetes. Again, my sincere apologies for the state of my vocal cords today. It's uh, <clears throat> it is not on, as they say, but we'll have to battle through and we'll get there eventually. Kate says, my friend was in Killarney. Herself and her husband decided they wanted to stay for the night. So they went to a B&B. They're being charged 210 euro each for bed and breakfast. They left and came home. What? B&B in Killarney. No, like, there must be hundreds, if not thousands of rooms down there on B&B. Go to Muckrisk Road and there are, like, B&B after B&B after B&B after B&B. They start when you're halfway in from Kilgarvan. B&B, B&B, B&B. 210 quid each for bed and breakfast. And I say it again, is it any wonder people are running for the airports? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Now we were contacted about an estate uh, in East Cork that has not been taken into charge. Now, taking an estate into charge is something that the county council does after the developer has finished with it. 
And <clears throat> this is Ballynoe Farm Estate. There's 200 and odd houses. And we were contacted by a resident down there, um, Jimmy, um, about the not being taken into charge. And a lot of people came on to us and said, yeah, it causes all sorts of problems. I'm joined by uh, Sinn Féin TD, Pat Buckley. Pat, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You'll no doubt be well aware of this estate, but would you just, before we discuss it, um, explain for those who wouldn't understand it, what is the process of taking into charge? What does it consist of and why is it important? Yeah, I mean, it's not basically of just going in and signing on the dotted line and walking away. The council would have to get the engineers' teams in to check, obviously, uh, how the water mains, are they all up to scratch, how the storage up to scratch, is all the public lighting, then obviously the quality of your footpaths, your roads, everything. Everything has to go down in an engineer's report and has to be obviously taken in charge. But on top of that, I mean, you still have to have... um, I suppose you'd have to have a water audit, you know. Then there'd have to be a snag list put out. Right. No, what I, mean, what I mean by that is when, when the council takes a place into charge, what services does that place get? Well, basically, they look after your road and your footpaths, public lighting. Unfortunately, your storage and water has gone to Irish Water, so that kind of works with county council or the city council and Irish Water. That's a separate... Uh, I suppose, contract again. But uh, things have changed a lot over the years. I, some councils do cut grass in council areas, others don't. Like where I live, we pay for our own grass cutting. So, you know, there's a lot of um, things, I suppose, that people would be looking forward to and hopefully saying to themselves, you know, once it's taken a charge, we don't have to do X, Y and Z. But mm. that's another one where you'd have to go to the council and say, right, what exactly are we getting you know, once the council take it in charge. And I know it's been going on a long, long time down there. And this is the and kind of talking, thing that the p- people are paying their property tax for, the services provided by the council. That's the biggest bugbear. So why is, do you know, why is Ballino Farm not taken into charge all these years later? 30 years nearly. Yeah. Well, of course, one, one situation there was that the actual developer hadn't done his paperwork properly, believe it or not. And in fairness to the residents below in Ballynote, they actually submitted their own, um, what would we call it, response to the planning and development section in Cork County Council. And theirs was admissible. And I think that's where the first crux was, where the developer hadn't done his paperwork properly. Therefore, the council couldn't go in and do any audit or anything on it. Obviously, there's money there because there's retention money to do these snags and stuff, so that has to be found and signed off as well. But the one thing about it, at least it's moving forward. I know it's been a long, long time, but at least now that they're giving them a date that they'll be part of what's called the bundle tree, which would be early, well, I I suspect it'd be early 2022 before it will be taken in charge. Early 2023, That's the information I have. uh, Well, they said we're scheduled for quarter three of 2021, and Bundle 2 is anticipated to commence later that year. Ballino Farm forms part of Bundle 3, which is scheduled to commence in 2022. Right. So hopefully sometime this year. I'm, I'm hopefully, yeah. And I, as I said, I have been following it, in fairness to Trina here in my office as well, has been in constant contact with the residents below there, and we've made plenty representation. So it's only a matter of following this up again and making sure that they will go in. And actually take it over because I think there's a lot of estates in Cork County 
that have a similar thing. So what they've done now is brought in a specific engineering team to specifically work on these and try and speed them all up. Because Jimmy, who contacted us, made the point about property tax, that people have been paying their property tax for years. Uh, he's suggesting maybe they're entitled to a refund at this point in time. Not too sure you can help him there, but that's his feeling. Well, I can tell you, well, do you know what? I, I can understand their frustration. I mean, yes, you say, why, why are you paying a property tax when you still have to pay to get your own grass cut? And it's more so down there. They've had to pay for everything just to maintain it to the standard that they can at the moment. And of course, that's frustration. To me, the property tax is a stealth tax anyway. Yeah. Pat, before I let you go, and I'm going to talk to, uh, I have been talking to uh, Liam Quaid of the Green Party about this. You may be aware of the communication on Ona Curra that came out from HSE before the weekend <clears throat> with some proposals. Uh, have you seen it? Absolutely. Um, absolutely, I have it. And I'm following up with uh, Cork Curry Services because I've been talking to many of the uh, residents' family members over the weekend. And look, while we welcome, it's something positive, and I will say that with a bit of apprehension. As I say, I'm going to detail it in a meet. moment, but yeah. Well, that's exactly what I want to do. I'm looking for another meeting with the HSC, okay. uh, Cork and Kerry South, and I actually want to ask those questions for on behalf of those residents and the family members to say exactly what are you actually doing in, in comparison to what they're actually saying. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Pat. Uh, Pat Brooke, the Vented for Cork East. Yeah, that communication um, came in on Friday, I think it was, um, written to quite a number of members of the Oireachtas. <clears throat> and it had a couple of proposals. This is from HSE Management. They said they will provide a new 10-bed rehabilitative residential unit in Middleton Town. And that the service would have 24-hour staffing, which is all good. On the face of it, uh, then it will have at least one community residence in Middleton for three or four people. This again will have 24 hour staffing. There'll be a new expert rehabilitation team led by a consultant. The day service has reopened. But the key point of that was this 10 bed residential unit in Middleton Town, 24 hour staffing, development team, and the Onakura site is among the possible locations being considered. So it looks like movement on the part of the HSE. And as I said, I've been speaking to Councillor Liam Quaid. So Councillor Liam Quaid, having gone through the bullet points of this communication from HSE, it looks like movement on, on Onakura. Am I reading too much into it? That was actually my first impression as well, uh, PJ. Um, I was on my way into the Opera House when I caught sight of this statement and I was taken aback by what seemed to be a significant concession, um, particularly around the need for 24-hour staffed care um, in East Cork. That, that was something we hadn't heard in months. Um, I, I was still very concerned. We had no information on the exact location of the new houses and we were looking at a much reduced capacity for the entire region for that 24-hour staffed care. Um, when I came out of the Opera House and I looked at the statement more closely, um, the 10-bed service that they're talking about is, is in fact, in the far distant mythical future. Um, they haven't even decided on a location for that service, and right. there would be years of, of a planning process. And in the meantime, dispersing of those re current residents to other parts of Cork, um, 
this would involve potentially a traumatic upheaval for those residents who've already been through 11 months of, of a limbo of not knowing where they're going. Um, and also, crucially, PJ, there would be no capacity in East Cork through, throughout those years right. for any, any further respite or long-term placement. I, I cannot overstate how disruptive that is for somebody with an enduring mental illness to be displaced from, something, from everything that is familiar to them yeah. and from their home. Um, so families of current residents and many other families who need this service also have to take it on trust to know that the HSE will actually follow through on those proposals mm. and that, it, that it's not just a tactic to take the energy out of the campaign with this kind of uh, promise of a, a solution in the far distant future. Yeah. And for me, that just involves several more years of being in limbo for those people and their relatives. Um, and and given, given how they have been treated in the past 11 months, I don't think they can take it on trust that these uh, proposals will be followed through. You do take the point, I suppose, that the 10-bed facility, as they promised, well, it would be something. It It would be halfway there anyway. It would definitely be significant, and I wouldn't ever want to, you know, deny if, if, if there is something consequential coming our way. Um, but what we're looking at here is basically a nuclear option of almost a complete cessation of services in East Cork for all of those years. And that's in the best case scenario. That's, that's if they are actually going to go about this. And what I would say to that is you cannot just simply take out, crudely take out a service like this for people with such a high level of dependency and just expect that they'll, they're, they're going to, they're going to somehow work out, um, that things are going to work out okay for them. There are similar building issues, if not more serious building issues across residential services in Cork. But for some reason, the HSC local managers are intent on, on mm. taking out this service. If I was sitting on the opposite side of the table and, and I was speaking for the residents and their families, mm. I would be suggesting this is great, we're happy with this, but until such time as that new unit opens, Onakura stays open. That, that is that is one uh, possibility, but I think we also need to be really careful about the location of any new service because I followed up with uh, the chief officer after that statement by email and he said, I, I queried a possible location and he said they're going to undergo an, an, appraisal, um, an, op, an, an appraisal of options. Now, an appraisal of options, like it, it, it sounds like there's not any great hurry on them 11 months after they announced the closure, seven months after the closure was meant to happen and, and you have these very vulnerable people languishing in, in a state of um, really agonising uncertainty, yeah. and we're not yeah. even clear: will they, will they, would they rebuild it on the Onakura site? How many so are left I, since we last spoke, Liam? Well, the last time I heard, there was eleven residents left, um, and you know, just, they've been told they were going to to Carrigaline a few a few months ago, and now there's, there's no clear information about where they're going. It's it's a really terrible um, situation to be in for those people and their families. So a year on, almost, since um, you first broke this story with us on the opinion line, people are still down there not knowing what their future holds. Yeah, and I think I think that that would be difficult for for a person, you know, the average person with reasonably robust mental health. These are people who have really suffered hugely in their lives prior to um, being in Onacora Centre, and and even during that, because that's the nature of, of their conditions. Their 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 mental health is is very is fragile. It's it's really kind of held together by the continuity of care they've had from those professionals and and the care they've had in the wider community and in their families. And all of that is really, um, you know, up in a heap at the moment and there's no end inside for them. Um, 
I, I, one thing I would just say, PG, is I don't want to just come on here and complain and have no kind of solutions to anything. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, what would you, what, what would be your your reply to to this communication? Well, you might remember in October, um, my, the chief officer was asked by three families if they could appoint an independent structure engineer to look at options that would not involve so much disruption. Yes, and they got an answer five weeks later to say that wasn't viable. NASA Horrigan has offered to work with the local manager, managers on, on possible uh, building options. There are building options that are less disruptive, but the dispersal of, of those residents throughout the, the county or city, that's not ethical and it, it, it's not in their interest. Okay. Liam, thank you very much as always. Thanks, Fiji. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Marquee giveaway part two on the Opinion Line for this Monday. Want to send you to see River Dance. They're on for the weekend. Three or four performances in the matinee on Sunday, 5th June, at half past two. That's what I want to send you to. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.ie, but forget that, you can win them right here, right now. Thanks to our friends in Aiken Promotions. And not only that, but I live a pair of these every day this week on the Opinion Line. So, you want to win between now and quitting time? Just text the word Riverdance. Text to WhatsApp the word Riverdance or and your name to 083-396-9696. It's that easy. The word Riverdance and your name to 083-396-9696. Just on the prices, Margaret has tickets for the Eagles gig in Dublin on June 24th. Yeah, that'd be a great gig. Um, and they wanted to stay over, obviously. So they're trying to get a room. And I can't get a room at a reasonable price. They had been up for a Mrs. Brown's Boys show a year or two ago. Uh, the last time they stayed up there, that would have been 200 euro that night. And in fact, I think I was at the same show, the Mrs. Brown's Boys in the in the three arena. And we stayed across the road in that lovely hotel there. I think for the two rooms, it cost us about 260 for the night or something like that. Um, which is expensive, but it's nice. It's right across the road. But Margaret's trying to get tickets for the night of the Eagles the cheapest room she can get this is one room we were looking for two the cheapest room she can get is 590 yo-yos what? on the 24th June for the night of the Eagles concert 590 that's more than the concert that's more than the cost of the travel the the petrol up and down that's more than the cost of what you eat and drink 590 quid for a room for the night as she said it's it's going to put people off going to concerts and you could see why <clears throat> 0818 96 96 96 mind you you don't have to go all the way to Dublin for a good gig uh, the weeks coming up now at the marquee and then we've Elton John in Parky Cueve on the 1st of July or you could just go to the Everyman this week 
and see Ty Kiki's new show, In One Eye, Out The Other. Now, here's a show, you know, Ty, he's the baldy fella that does all the impressions and all the sketches on uh, Twitter or TikTok or any one of the platforms he's on. And he does the impression of Brian O'Donovan that Brian O'Donovan himself couldn't be as good at. And he's done loads of different sketches. You know Tyke, you know Tyke. Well, the show is about a fella called Fergal. No, not our one. The show is about a fella called Fergal who fulfills his lifelong dream of becoming an alcoholic. (laughs) Explain yourself, Hickey. Good morning. (laughs) All right, PJ, how's it going? The first thing I'd like to say is I'm balding, not bald. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Brian O'Donovan is full bald. I'm just aspirational to Brian. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're not getting away from here without doing it. By the way, but we'll come back to that. You'll come back to that at the end. Oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me about. I mean, you know, there's a serious side to this because this kind of charts your life in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, it's kind of it's loosely based on my own experiences uh, with drinking, but like it is a fictional character. I've just taken one or two details from my actual life and try to make a show out of it. But it it does have poignant moments in it. But on a good night, like I'm touring uh, England there now at the moment. I'm actually in a hotel room in Liverpool at the moment. I tell you, it's a bad weekend to be in Liverpool. The whole place is just in in, in mourning. Yeah, but um, but like it's mostly funny, you know. So I've just tried to make a story that's mostly funny so that people can relax and the material is dark they're laughing most of the time and then hopefully towards the end they realize that there's a kind of a there's a kind of a message in there and that you feel sorry for this guy and he has a kind of a reconciliation with his mother but I think sometimes the blurb can make it sound like you're going to be crying for the night and it's going to be very depressing which isn't the case like people are are, are usually laughing like on a good night and crying at the end good 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 now I mean your, your own story like how, how long are you how long are you sober now Tyke? Over seven years now, yeah, I, and I actually started writing the show when I was when I was still drinking because uh, I was just trying to find a, a kind of way of, I don't know, maybe coping myself and I kind of created this character who was kind of in the midst of alcoholism but was happy-go-lucky about it, which was kind of what I was um, as a front, you know what I mean? Like it was kind of, you know, there's no problem here, not to see here, and that's kind of the way this character is as well. His life is kind of falling apart, but yeah. to the outside world, he's kind of he's in a good space. So that's the kind of conceit of the show. Is that a difficult way to live, Tig, from your own memories? Oh, it's 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 almost impossible. Like you know, you know, like when I look back in it now, I kind of can't believe because in the midst of my drinking, I was like. I was working with RTE. I had like kind of very good opportunities, like high profile stuff. Like I did live TV, like in the midst of it and stuff. And, um, and that's just a work thing. Like obviously family is a complete another different league then of difficulty. But, uh, yeah, to keep the front on, like I think most, most addicts really, that's why I think like, you know, you're better off trying to foster empathy for, for addicts rather than kind of writing them off as Mm. people on the street or whatever, you know, because, like there, no addict I've ever met anyway kind of sets out to to hurt people and just abuse substances. Like everyone's just hurting mm. in some way or another and I was certainly no different. You know? and, and no one sets out to develop a problem either. No, I'm yet to meet the alcoholic who's like, oh, that was, that was my, and in fact, that's what the joke of the show is like because the first line yes. of the play is that it was his lifetime ambition to become an alcoholic. So, and obviously that's hopefully ridiculous enough to get the laugh because that's the opposite of addiction. Like people always set out to 
live a good life, I think, and try and help other people and stuff. But sometimes you just kind of get lost along the way, like, you know. Like, like how long were you realistically in trouble before you grabbed a hold of yourself or, or how did it happen? Like, I was kind of, believe it or not, I felt like I was in trouble from the start. It's just that when, from my experiences, when I was younger, I was able to kind of pull it together a bit better. So, like, I knew I was, like, problematic drinker when I was doing my leaving search. But back then, it was just easier to say, right, I'm going to stop now for the next two months, do my exams, and I'll go I'll go crazy then for a while again, and people won't notice as much. But I found as the years were going on, I found it harder and harder to, to kind of stop or to kind of get a grip on it. And my mental health was kind of getting worse and worse and stuff. And and like you're treating people terribly when when you're in addiction. But when you're drinking, it's kind of fine because it's just you and, and your substance. But actually, I was really soft beneath it all. And I just couldn't, I was finding it harder to cope with the fact that I was treating people terribly, like particularly my family and stuff like that, you know. So it's that stuff that really gets your gets your mental health. And then I suppose the coping thing and all this for me has always been comedy. That's why the show is kind of so important to me because it's, I think you have to try and find the, the lightness in recovery and then also even in addiction because a bunch of addicts together like is the most raucous crowd you'd ever get in your life. People in recovery just laughing their head off, sharing stories. Like, you know, so there's, no, you, there's nothing lighter in life really. Did you, this is probably the, the hard question time, did you use your own skills, your inherent skills and talents, did, did you use those skills to deflect from difficult discussions? Oh, 100%. 100%. And also, if you're cracking jokes at a party or you say, say now, for example, like I would go missing for days on end and then like a buddy would find me or somebody would contact me. And I remember one time being up in St. Luke's at some party and a buddy came across me and like my family were looking for me for, for days. Like this is not serious kind of stuff. Yes. But um, I had no shoes on, like sitting on the side of the road and I, and I met my buddy or whatever. And inside about, te- inside about 10 minutes, I had him convinced that I was just under a bit of stress. I was having a party. I was having a couple of drinks and there was no big deal because I was so light about it and just cracking jokes that he was then reassured. And then the, by extension, like the people around you are like, ah, look, he's just letting off some steam. He's kind of fine. So you become an expert at convincing both yourself and other people that you're just partying, like you're not, an, you're certainly not an addict, like you're just a kind of a party boy. And I think that's a big thing in Cork as well, isn't it? Where it's like, you know, he's just a party guy, he's fine. Whereas when you start using the word addict or alcoholic, like people can kind of get a bit scared by that. But but actually, that's the first step to trying trying to get your life back together. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you be, there's a, there's a saying. I don't particularly like it, but I'm, I'm sure it's applied. That how do you know when an addict is spinning you a line? Their lips are moving. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I have no problem with with jokes like that or whatever because they like a I joke about it myself and b it's completely true. Is it? You know, like that the other oh totally like well in my experience anyway like you you haven't um, you couldn't possibly tell the truth because if you told the truth you'd lose your job and you'd lose your partner and you'd you know you have to lie like that's the the nature of addiction. But what happens then, in my experience, for most people in recovery that I know is you'd almost go the opposite way then. You kind of can't, you can't get away with any lies anymore. You just kind of move towards this kind of health and recovery. And I don't know anyone really in addiction or in recovery who's got good recovery who's still lying. There's a phrase in recovery of um, the road gets narrower. 
and that's been very true for me. You kind of can't get away with anything anymore. Like even white lies are kind of problematic. Like so, unfortunately, you just have to keep telling the truth, which can be a bit of a nightmare at times, to be honest. But you got to go with it. Like <laughs> it's good for a comedian. For, like for every addict I've ever spoken to, Tyke, who who turned themselves around and got clean, uh, there's a turning point. Was there one for you? And is it in the show? Does it come up in the show? Um. Yeah. Maybe. Like I think the turning point for me really was just like it was just, there was just so much pain, to be honest. Like I, I kind of got to the point where I felt like drink was kind of my forever friend, you know, like there was, there was other substances that I knew I had to completely stay away from. Like, um, and there was other behaviors and stuff, but I was just thinking like drink is kind of, that's, that's the old reliable. Like, cause I mean, that's the kind of world I grew up in in Cork. It was, you know, drink was what you did regardless of what your mood was. Like you kind of celebrated or you drowned your sorrows. And that was just, but, but it re- when it really turned on me, I felt like the mask slipped or something. That I was this thing that was just a laugh for years. Is the mask slipped, and I just felt like, geez, I I could lose, I could lose my battle with this here. Like, there's plenty of men and women better than me that have lost the battle with this thing. Like, so I just got scared, to be honest. Right. And uh, a bit of fear, I think, is is the best thing. No, in the summer as well. And when I stopped up to this point, 2015, I was kind of thinking like, I I'm actually going to lose my daughter as well. I think that was almost the main thing like in that period where I was like hold on a second now this this partying thing is is well gone like no it's kind of it's kind of getting into life and death or whatever and uh and yeah I think she's a she's a great symbol for me because when I was drinking I just you know I didn't look after her in the way that I wanted to and that for me is the best evidence that alcoholism alcoholism is a mental illness do you know, because now, like, there's nothing I wouldn't do for her. Like, she's just, you know, I'm on, she's on my mind the whole time, like, about what I can kind of do for her. But when I'm drinking, I'm just in the pub and I'm not thinking about her at all. Like, so that's why I think I was mentally ill. That's my way of kind of dealing with it anyway, I think, you know. Well, I mean, there are people who, who say, and I tend to be on that side, it's an illness. No one, like you said, nobody, oh, yeah. nobody chooses this. No one sets out to do this. You know, saying it's not, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like, cho- it's like choosing to get cancer. Nobody chooses it. Nobody chooses a difficulty with alcohol either. They don't. And I think like without getting, without going on a rant, I think Ireland, it, it, this, it's so weird because we've got such a great understanding of drink. We've got a great understanding of alcohol, but I don't think we've got a good understanding of alcoholism at all. And I think it's still a cold house for, for addicts really we, we tend to just kind of dismiss them and say well they're not trying hard enough they're like they need to cough themselves on whoa sorry the, the alarm is going off in my room here <laughs> two seconds you're all right drive on so the show is <laughs> the show is at the Everyman on the 2nd and uh, 3rd of June and it's I'll give you a second the alarm is that a fire alarm or something I think it's a fire alarm. Yeah, Jesus, man, it's all drama here. Like, I better, I better let you go, Tyg. The show is only, yeah. it's only an hour long, right? And it's, it's, it's called in one eye, out the other. Tyg Hickey joining us from Liverpool. Thank you so much, PJ. You better get out. And of sorry that for the alarm. Not at all. Get out of that room. <clears throat> the Everyman at uh, the weekend, and it's an hour long, and it's tickets on sale right now from the uh, from the theatre. Nice fella. We, <laughs> I know what he did there now. He got the alarm started out so that he didn't have to do Brenda Donovan. <laughs> oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks ninety six FM with the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. If you need a light to shine it, I'll be there. The Corks.
96 FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Raising money for Cork Cancer Services. Your donations will make a massive difference. I'm delighted to announce that the total raised in the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon for 2022 is an astonishing €383,973.68. Well done. A huge thank you to everyone who supported the Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon. Only on Cork's 96FM. Tickets for Riverdance, Saturday, Sunday rather, Sunday, June 5th, half to Live at the Marquee. Uh, Tickets for Riverdance, if you want to go, we have tickets every day this week. Text the word Riverdance to 083 396 96 96. Gives your name as well. The word Riverdance to 083 396 96 96. We'll draw them before the end of the show. Now, Ultimate Hell Week is over. Not sure if you're watching it. Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week finished last week. And we had our Corkman in the final three. Connor O'Keefe, congratulations. Cheers, PJ. Nice one, my man. Come here to me. It looked like I only saw the early episodes. It looked like murder. Uh, yeah, it was probably it's the, it's, the, it's the toughest thing I've ever done anyway, Is for it? sure. And you're a fit lad, like. Mm. Yeah, I've I've got plenty of experience of doing um, hard stuff, and uh, that definitely like topped the board one hundred percent. One of the the episode I think I saw I saw one or two was the one where you were doing this cold water exercise, trying to climb and pull rope through cold water. I thought, oh my god, better. yeah, yeah. And then they wake you up and you're still freezing cold, like it's just demented altogether. Yeah, I think what the show really brings is that, like, you know, no matter how strong you think you are, you do have a weakness somewhere and they'll find it. And then that's that's like where you really have to overcome some stuff. A lot of people don't like getting into cold water or tight spaces or heights and everything is tested. Like, you know, what was the thing that that hit you most? Um, to be honest with you, the the final um, part of the uh, of, of the week is when you're captured and you're put under um, duress, um, uh, like basically like you know torture and in an interrogation, um, and uh, you're you've got sensory deprivation for ten hours where they're they're playing crying babies and metal music and things like that in your ears yeah. while being completely blindfolded for ten hours at the time, and I find that was probably the hardest time for me. And uh, you, know, just, you you get right up into your own head and it's it's very difficult to get out of it. But you know that it is not real and you can get out of it at any time. But does that make it any easier when you're in the minute? It, that probably makes it harder, if anything, really? because it's like at, at all times you know you can quit, but like it's the it's fighting against that voice in your head that says, "I ah, look just just throwing the towel now," like um, because especially when you're in something like that where they're changing the stress positions every fifteen minutes, um, and they have the, the 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 crying babies playing in your ears and you can't see anything, you know. There's a lot of time there where you're just spent with yourself. Like there's two other people that was that were in the final, let's yeah. say, interrogation with me, but you, I couldn't, I didn't know they were they were right next to me but I had absolutely no idea Mm. so for the whole time I thought I was alone in this cold room uh, being put into stress positions that were incredibly difficult to stay in 
um, and, and, and all, at all times you're really just in your own mind trying to kind of uh, troubleshoot problems and get yourself through the next 15 minutes. And the big problem is your own head going, come on now, you can walk away from this, you've got to resist that. Yeah, absolutely. Like if, if, you, if you knew you had to go through it and you had no way out of it, then, you know, you'd come to some sort of a peace in your mind. But like, you know, at all times you can just give over the armband and it's finished that's what the fight is you yes. know that like there's 10 hours there of that fight um because you're already destroyed you've a week there where you're luckily getting an hour of sleep a day um you may be an hour and a half if you're if you're very lucky and you'll uh, you you come to the end of the week after being physically and mentally broken down and then to finish on on that type of note you know you're you're constantly being put it's it's a complete test against yourself yeah and watching it for a viewer it can become uncomfortable seeing people being shouted at and sworn at and humiliated but that is what it's really like if you had to do it yeah, for sure. Like, it's, this is really just... Now, the show is... I think even watching the show, you don't even realise how, how physically and mentally draining it actually is. Right. But what, what what I always kind of think about is this is just a taste of right. the life in which these these DS, these rangers live. You know, they live a life, like, pushing themselves really to, to the limit, like, you know. And we, yeah. we... I was very, very lucky to have experienced yeah. a week... Um, where you're kind of held to that standard. We're, we're, you know, told, we're told that they are. Yeah, sorry. We're told that they are, and internationally, our lads are respected as among the best in the best, a best of the best. Oh, Do yeah. agree with that? I think they finish kind of, they finish kind of like top three. There's a special forces competition, interna- international special forces competition, and we always finish very, very high in the top three, um, you know, mo- most times, because although we are a small armed forces and the Ranger Wing itself is a small unit, they're incredibly well-trained. The standards are incredibly high uh, to get through um, even to get through to do your standards course, your nine-month skills course is incredibly tough. And, you know, they've kept that standard high throughout and that's why they, they perform so well and so well respected. Coming back to the day job, as it were, uh, Connor, mm. are people more interested now or have they, they become more interested in fitness during lockdown? I I think so. I think people just realise that you can only watch so much Netflix, and you know, and you can only you can only sit down and 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 you know watch so much TV or play so much computer games. And I think that the outdoors really call people, you know, outside. You know, and you know we we're we're probably at the stage now where people can do whatever they want to do. So um, and the outdoors and the fitness and and kind of the I suppose the fitness industries and things like that have kept that certain level of people that have um, that have you know that wanted to keep that as part of their lives it's not just a thing they're doing during lockdown now it's like oh I've actually discovered that I have a real lust for this I have a real love for mm. getting out into the outdoors and you know mountaineering or whether it's like spinning classes or crossfit or whatever it's it's definitely had a positive impact on a lot of people's lives do you think people are more into prepping as well preparing for something that could go horrendously wrong I think so, yeah. I, th- I think, like, uh, I, I put up a question and answers box on my Instagram today about, you know, uh, about my time on Hell Week. And a lot of people were very, very interested in the preparations. Like, what did I do for preparations? What would they do for preparations if they if they were to get into it? And I think a lot of people have got into this uh, goal-orientated mindset where they've set themselves to do something and they're going to, you know, they're going to try diligently in that time to prepare themselves as best as possible. I think that's, it's tremendous. Like, you know, it really is. The, the, I'm, I know a little bit about the, the, the prepping. There's there's a very quiet 
prepping movement around Cork, but it's, <clears throat> it's gaining some volume in the last couple of years. But like with the thing in Ukraine, like we don't really know whether that could get out of hand. You know what I mean by out of hand? Like that it becomes far too close to us for comfort and people are starting to prepare for that. Yeah, geez, I, I I don't know much about that now, but um, you know, I I could imagine it's probably on some people's minds, um, but I wouldn't I I wouldn't uh, know know enough about it to yeah, comment. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, fancy more television? Uh, fancy more television? Yeah, I would. I I definitely enjoyed it. I've, I've this is my second time now. Um, I suppose with my you know an interaction with the TV, and I, I really do actually enjoy it. Uh, I really enjoy the the kind of whole aspect of it. Probably maybe not as stressful as <laughs> as Ultimate Hell Week. Maybe again, maybe something a bit more uh, a bit more kind of relaxed. Ireland's um, fittest family, maybe uh, the or next something. <laughs> yeah, maybe something like that. I'll have to. I get on to my parents there now. We'll put them through the the rigors, um, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll get them ready for Ireland's for this family. All right. Listen. Good luck in your future and with your business, um, Connor. Thank you very much. One of the last three he made in Special Forces Ultimate Hell Week. Plug the name of the business again, Connor. What is it? Oh yeah, um, the, the name of the business is Crew Adventures and um, I'm going to be um, running a, actually a, a very, very special event oh. in Cork. I'm going to have the last two girls, the last two women um, that actually oh. made it through the end of Hell Week. We're going Kira to have, Ellen, do a yeah. live... Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Kira, uh, Clara and Ellen, we're going to have... The three of us are going to do a live podcast because uh, I have a podcast called Flip the Script. I'm doing a live episode of the podcast in Cork and dates and venues to be to be announced on my Instagram. So if anybody's interested in um, in hearing more from these amazing women, um, well, we're going to be interviewing them uh, live in Cork next month. Excellent. Good man, Connor. Thank you for that. Connor O'Keefe. One of the last three to make it on Ultimate Hell Week. The other two being Clara Hogan from Waterford and Ellen Vitting from Kerry. Uh, Clara's a teacher and Ellen is a financial analyst. Now, Connor is adventure company and fitness enthusiast anyway, so tough, tough, tough. Thanks, Connor. 0818 96 96 96. Talking about health <clears throat> and being healthy and staying healthy. We got this thing in. Uh, it's a, no, I must apologize. A lot of stuff has been kind of kicked back that came into us last week. Um, got kicked back because Radiothon is just Radiothon and we're back in normal mode today. So we've been a few days getting around to things and for that I apologize, but um, Radiothon being Radiothon. So <clears throat> someone came back to us with this. Uh, I took my child to the public health nurse for a routine checkup. After she measured and weighed him, she said he was that, that he was charting as overweight. She proceeded to tell me she was giving him a reward chart and he could be rewarded with stars every time he eats vegetables or fruit. I'm all for healthy eating, but I don't think this form of rewarding a child for eating healthy foods is a healthy approach and I don't think it was appropriate to say he's overweight in front of him. We eat very well at home and he already eats lots of different fruit and veg and he certainly doesn't look overweight. That's an interesting one. So the, the public health nurse just was flagging with mum that look, you know, maybe you want to watch his weight a little bit. Should she have done that anyway? Should the nurse have said, look, you know, little Johnny is a bit overweight here? And then takes out this reward chart 
says, when you eat an apple instead of very crisp, you get a star. Like, is that the com- is that the, the public health nurse's job? Which, I suppose the public health nurse keeps an eye on her children as they grow up, as they reach certain milestones. Anyone else have an experience like that? Brought son to the public health nurse. She doesn't say how old he is. I measured him, weighed him, said he was charting as overweight. And take it from there. She said also, she said she was concerned that it, maybe it was inappropriate to say he's overweight in front of him. That's why I'm wondering what age the child is. Because does it matter if they're only one or two years old? Well, probably old, much older than that. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Now, we're talking earlier on to, to Jim, who's nearly at Santiago de Compostela. And I don't know where you are. And you, have, have you left yet? Or where are you? Have have I left yet? Yes, I, I left on the 2nd of April. Uh, I left from West Cork and uh, I'm in Yorkshire at the moment. I am about two and a half days walking from Hull before heading off to uh, the Netherlands and then I'll take a ferry to the Netherlands. Okay. And you're walking from Clonakilty to Jerusalem? Jer- yes. Why? Yes. Why? <laughs> Why? Okay, there is. It, it's it's a bit of a long story. I'll give you the really short version. When I first walked to Santiago, I met. I was uh, told by a man who I met along the way that I had to go and meet a guy in a place called Moulin Ayon before uh, before Bordeaux, and he told me a story of him traveling with two friends first to Santiago and then to Rome and then to uh, Jerusalem. Uh, to find out what their calling was in life, and uh, it, it's a little bit like the joke, you know. You 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 sit on the on the rooftop, and there is a there there is a river overflowing, and you go like, God is going to come and save me. So he gets the answer straight away. He meets a girl after he arrives in Santiago, and he keeps meeting the girl along the way. And in the end, when I arrive there, she is holding the fourth child, and he's telling me the story. So, and I went like, oh my God, that's really, really cool. Like, if you if you can do that. But I was walking with the harp, so I thought, how do I do that? Hold on, hold on, like, hold on. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, I was just about to ask you, who, you're going with Sean. Who's Sean? Sean is my 26-string harp. He's a Ravenna 26 Dusty Strings harp. Again, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Uh, be, because I want to be like the the medieval pilgrim harpers. I am like the the reincarnation of uh, of the old pilgrim harpers. There were there were a bunch of guys from Wales and and Ireland that uh, apparently made it to to the Holy Land and to Rome um, in the Middle Ages, and I thought. Oh, how cool is that? And then I saw this picture, you know, the minstrel boy to the war is gone, sword in one hand, harp slung on a sash. And I thought, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Now, the sash didn't work. It's on a, on a Swedish army frame. <laughs> but, so, but uh, yeah. You're going to go from you go. the UK to the Netherlands, Germany, yes. Hungary, yes. Serbia, Romania, Bulgaria, oh. Turkey, and then on to Jerusalem. And when yeah. do you expect to get there? I mean, walking, walking how far per day? 
Uh, I walk between any anything between eight and sixteen miles a day. Uh, I've done nineteen miles, but not, then I get trouble with my knees. So uh, sixteen miles is is a bit my upper limit. And also, I think sh- uh, shorter distances is better because you get to see more, you get to yeah. meet more people. And of course, I'd like to play every day if possible at all. Right. Um, you both like so I. Ex- um, no, I, actually, no. That I don't do a lot of busking. Busking doesn't really work for me with the harp. I don't know how how these harp players do it. Right. Uh, but no, I just walk it like because it looks really impressive. Yeah, I've got like this big pack on my back, and then people go like, "Oh, is that is that all your camping gear?" And I go like, "No, no, that's my harp." <laughs> Where are you going, Jerusalem? And then you see like the blank <laughs> stare. You know, it kind of goes blank, and I go like, "You know, I understand." Where is your and pack? Then goes, Where is your, your camping? gear or where are you staying as you walk uh so i i'll stay anywhere and everywhere <clears throat> um i do have i have a hammock and a tarpaulin and a beefwork bag just in case that i end up next to the road but you you know you you stop somewhere you have a cup of tea and they go like nice camping gear and i go no that's my harp and they go nah and i go yeah and they go can we see it and i go sure you can see my harp and then they go can you play it they're like, well, yeah. Why would I be carrying it with me if I couldn't? <laughs> exactly, and then and then you take it from there, and, and that that can so it it literally is like the old pilgrim harper. Right. It that then translates into, I have a cousin who would love to meet you. We can put you up for the night. Is that okay? And I'll go. Uh, yeah, that'll be great. You know. So, so, so Sean, in a sense, Sean it, it is busking. Yes, he is like the the talking point, and you you just work from there. But it doesn't always turn up like that. Like, and I think the the exercise, but like obviously all these journeys, they all have lessons to to teach us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and the longer the distances, one of the things I really had to learn was a bit more humility. You know, you can't, I can't expect anything, and I'm okay sleeping out. Like I prefer not to sleep out when it's raining and blowing gales. But I'll I'll do it because it's part of the journey because I want to get there. Um, but if I can, if it can be easier, then yeah, easier is nice, you know, because it is about meeting, especially with a harp on your back. It's important to meet people, to tell the stories, to answer the questions, you know, why, how, when. The idea of opening maybe the door to thinking about things in a different way, taking a different perspective, learning about the history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 I'm. You're walking back as well. I don't know. Like what I've said is that if my body is not completely crippled by the time that I get there, <laughs> I might consider walking back. What happened when I when I arrived in Rome in 2018 at the end of August? Hold on, you walked I to had, Rome. Yes, I did in 2018. Yeah, yeah, and that took me five months and a week. And when I arrived there, like. My, my legs were completely seized up and it took me about three months to be able to get up in the morning and roll around and like, like you know, fish out of water kind of thing and then get on my hands and knees and get up. And it took three months to actually just get out of bed and not have painful feet and painful legs. So this time around, what I'm trying to do is be more patient give myself a bit more rest, make sure the body is actually strong enough to keep doing it because it's going to take at least 365 days, possibly 400, maybe a bit more. So you'd have to, you know, that's it's a it's an exercise in stamina and yeah. determination. Like when yeah. do you? I mean, this is what June of 
well, at the end of May of 2022, when when would you expect yeah. to be in Jerusalem? I was I was thinking, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if I end up there at around Easter? But I, I don't think that is possible. I don't think I can. It, it, it might be possible. It, it all depends on what happens after Turkey, really. Um, <clears throat> there is um, normally people will take a boat from Turkey onwards. Um, and I am thinking that if, if it would be possible, but I don't know if it is. And I'm still working on that. I would like to go over land uh, for as much as possible. But that would bring me along the coast uh, in Syria for about 10, 12 days. And then I would have to navigate Lebanon. And uh, today, like today, that is not possible. But in, next da- year... Dangerous parts yeah. of the world at the moment. Yeah, uh, Lebanon is... is, uh, is there is there is, uh, there is a hiking route there, which is I would love to do that route. Mm. But it's just not like today. That's not possible. But I won't be there until next year. So lots know. of things can, yeah, lots and of things can change. And I think you just need to leave that open. I need to leave that open for the time. And, and Lebanon, such a beautiful place. I know having been there. I remember going there a number of years ago now. But spending about a week there yeah. and thinking. God, it's terrible that there's so much conflict. It's such a beautiful, beautiful place. Exactly, exactly. Like, Kilal Gibran was born there, for instance, and the the hiking route would take me through his birthplace. Some of the finest Roman artifacts are there. I mean, it would be amazing. And the citadels that were left behind by the Crusaders. I would love to see all of it. Wonderful, wonderful. Do you know? Yeah. yeah. And if it's possible, I'll I'll go. But there is no guarantee. There's no guarantee. You know what? Um, we should catch up again along the way, because this yeah. this is <laughs> this is crazy. I don't mind telling you now, you're mad, right? <laughs> but you're my kind of mad because you'll do it. <laughs> yeah, you. This is it. Like you, we often do this thing where we go like, yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love to do this. I would love to do that. And I realized, like, I'm in my fifties now, and I was, I realized that if if I really want to, then yeah. this is the time to go do it. And you know, we've had a crazy two years. I know I can do the distances. Yeah. Uh, the question now is, can I do it over a longer period of time? And can I do it like, when I first started, I thought there's no way I can get a harp through the Pyrenees. And then I did it. And then I thought there's no way I can bring a harp through the Alps. And I did that too. So I'm thinking, oh, brilliant. okay, this is brilliant. maybe the middle of- yeah, maybe the Middle East will kick my ass. Maybe it won't. I don't know. I'm going to go and find out. Anya, listen, this is we're gonna we're, we're gonna catch up. Keep in touch with us, right? With when uh, let's yes. know where you are from time to time. Maybe someday we might even be able to just put put the phone on the table and get a tune out of Sean. Like that might be nice. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And good be my luck pleasure. And stay safe. Thank you we, very much. We, we'll catch up over the months to, the months to come. What a fantastic story. She's walking. To Jerusalem with a harp called Sean. She's already done this. She's gone to Rome with Sean on her back. Oh, we have to talk to her again. Councillor Tony Fitzpatrick was on. Thanks to all the customers and staff at the canteen in Nocknahini Youth Project, their final count for Radiothon. Believe it or not, six hundred and ninety-six euro and ninety-six cents. How appropriate is that? Tony, and I'm just looking at the running total since Kieran was here with me this morning, Kieran McGeary, talking about the total for Radiothon 2022, which was on Saturday evening, at the time he was given it, 383,973 and 68 cents. 
and we had the 200 that that wonderful young lad raised busking and we have 696 and 96 from the youth project up there and we had another few donations we heard about over the weekend so we are now well over 385,000 and it's continuing to come in which is fantastic <clears throat> oh, 0818969696 now briefly um, to go to Robert Lanigan who's a television producer with Coco Content, and you're looking for new singletons to get involved in the next series of First Dates Ireland. Robert, good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. It's time to get your entry in, as it were. Exactly, yes. We are... The matchmakers are currently chatting with potential daters. Uh, We'll be opening the restaurant later in the summer, and we're looking for people to apply. Right. So how do they... And do they have to do screen tests and stuff like that? Well, no. So right now, all they need to do is go to cococontent.ie forward slash first dates and fill out an application form. And then after that, our matchmakers will get in contact with people and chat to them. Um, so th- there's no screen test per se, but there's a conversation and, and, um, and kind of uh, stuff like that that happens. But right now, all they need to do is go to, um, yeah, just fill out applications, application form. And when does it all get filmed then? So the restaurant will open in late summer. And uh, so that's why we're taking the next uh, kind of two two months to uh, matchmake people. Cork is popular in past shows. We've, we've sent a few people up there. Some of them yes. have done quite well out of it. Yes, yes. I, I, what is it about Cork people that just, you know, make great daters? <laughs> I think they're so open and so honest and so funny and have the crack. That's, uh, that's why we uh, like seeing them. I think you need more men this year as well. Are you short of men? Well, we're always short of men. Men are always a little bit slower to apply. And I think it's because, you know, female friends are always very supportive. But men always think, oh, that's my friends. Your male friends will always kind of, you know, take the, take the nick in a, in a way, you know. So they're always a little bit slower to apply. So if you know any single men uh, out there, uh, we always say give them a nudge to actually apply and take the chance. Because you never know, they might find love in the first dates restaurant. Have we anybody who's actually gotten married through this or anything like that? There are two weddings happening uh, later this year. Really? Any Cork yes. involvement? Uh, no, not, not. <laughs> not in those two weddings, no. <laughs> okay. And it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's a very, it's tried and tested format now, but it's fun. I, I wonder what the, ma- what do you think is the magic of it, Robert? Uh, the magic is when people come along and are themselves in the restaurant. That's kind of, you know, when people are open uh, and, and share so much with us. And when they come along, I just want to have a bit of fun and that. And so I think we just love seeing also ourselves and the spread of people who apply for the show. You know, we have all different uh, types of people. So I think we just like watching that and like liking people having a nice time. You know, the show is out to match people. We're not out to, you know, cause conflict or have drama. Um, we're out to try and match people and we like like people having a good time. Although there'd be a few eye-rolling moments during the season, which is always good to watch. Robert, great. And people can go to uh, cococontent.ie forward slash first dates for all the information uh, for first dates 2022. That's Robert Lanigan. He's a producer with Coco Talent. That's it for today. And you can hear from me that that's about as much as I'm capable of anyway. So... Thanks for bearing with me since nine. I'm hoping it'll be a lot better in the morning. The programme edited by Fiona Corker and produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Our winner of the Riverdance tickets, and we've won a pair of them every day, is Francis Pardy in Bandoff, County Cork. And we will talk to you tomorrow, just after nine. Can we just talk?
The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.